Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. Listen, kid, I know this much. If your dad was here, he would hug you so hard. Your bones would podcast. Okay, great. There you go. <laughs> now, first question. I'm going hard. Did you guys write that line? No. Wow. <laughs> Here's my goal for this episode. Okay. Find a line that pops? Like what? No, no, no. I want, I want to, along with everything else, have this episode be an exploration of the process of writing a movie this big. Okay. Okay. We right? We're, we're we game for that. As, <laughs> as much as we can talk about it without you guys jeopardizing there your career. There may be some things where we're going <laughs> to and you'll, and you'll give the signal? Yeah. <laughs> but we're happy to do that. And Ben is very <laughs> good at cutting out. Okay, now Ben is pointing. He has a bell here. Cut out bell. Oh, this is a new thing that he's introducing I as think, if I know what it is. We're not going <laughs> to ring a cut out bell, Ben. That's going to be annoying. Now, let's, let's make it clear. There's a reason why Ben might forget that oh he hasn't introduced the cutout bell before. Benji, Dan, I'll introduce you properly in a second, but have you noticed, uh, you're, you're just meeting uh, producer Ben for the first time. This is our first time, but it's been good so far. He doesn't usually have this hat on. I'm wearing a detective hat. A classic Sherlock Holmes deer Folks, stalker. He actually is wearing a deer stalker. I'm going to take and a picture. And he genuinely does yeah, have yeah, a cutout bell. Look at, look, at look, look at me. Griffin. Look at me. He doesn't remember who I am. <laughs> so here's the thing. Producer Ben, a.k.a. Fart Detective Pika Ben, what? woke up this morning, doesn't remember anything. Why did I agree mm-hmm. to this? Wait mm-hmm. a second. Even though I'm not involved, <laughs> I should have realized it would be annoying. But he's on the case. He's going to try to guess what happens in the movie because he hasn't seen it. Yeah. So at certain right, points sure. in the episode, right. he might guess what he thinks happens in the movie. Great. All right. Great, cleanly okay, set up. Okay, you set up that bit. Should we disabuse him of the notion or should we... Should we just like see what's this wrong? Should we see what the movie that he creates is right. and see if it's better? Maybe this might be a good incubation generation. tank. Yeah, right. You know, right. this is a, like there are no bad ideas. There are no bad point. ideas. Uh, well, that's good because my ideas are always great. Mm-hmm. Uh, hello, Pretty recently you told me to shave my head. That was a recent idea that's by him. Good look. He him. thinks David would look great when he would look fully pretty, shaved. You'd be pretty lethal. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would be pretty lethal. That would be like, whoa. Right, you'd yeah. be, I'd be like, I have like an Agent 47 vibe. Right or I was going to say like uh, uh, Vince Vaughn in uh, Cell Block uh, sure. 99. Right. Yeah. I yeah. was thinking Vic Mackey on The Shield. Vic Mackey. Yeah. yeah, I've got a bit of a Mackey. Although Mackey's short, right? Like, isn't that, Or is Chickless tall? I think he's kind of stocky short. Right, because right. like, that was sort of part of his like appeal was like, you know, you don't think this guy, because he was the commish, he was like, I, I a, you know, a total schlub. being angry when he was cast that Jessica Alba was taller than him in the Fantastic Four group. Sure, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Which I right, thought was a right, fundamental right. issue. <laughs> uh, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, hello, everybody. This is a Blank Check with Griffin and David. Thank I'm you. Griffin. Uh, David, I'm David. It's a podcast about usually... About filmographies, directors right. who have massive success earlier on their career are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion project they want. Sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes they bounce pika pika. But you have been on the trail mm-hmm. of a movie for the last two years. Sure. Since Pretty it much announced. since it's announced. Right. With increasing right. excitement. Yes. Uh, Ange uh, went through and found all of your tweets about this movie. I've got a lot. 
Uh, probably find them. This has been one of your most anticipated movies ever. I love Pokemon. You love Pokemon. So I'm a we, serious film critic, and I love Pokemon. So we put it on the books that you, we would do a special episode for this. Yeah. And then, lo and behold, a couple months ago, I make a startling connection. Two guys I know sure. are, in fact, two of the writers on Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Pokemon colon Detective Pikachu. Yeah. So who do we got in the studio today? Dan Hernandez, Benji Samet, writers of Pokemon Detective Pikachu. We're going to find out how the polka sausage is made. (laughs) (laughs) Do people eat Pokemon? You know, that's one of those things that is a little bit glossed over in the world. Because you're creating a world here. I prefer to think that everyone is a vegetarian. They just eat fruit. There's lots of big berries. berries. Right. Uh, there's, you know, various natural products. It'd be uh, like a lot of rice. It would be sort of like a grain-heavy diet. It's a grain. Sure. The, it's the, Apricorns. <laughs> yes. Well, Apricorn. in the video yeah. game, right? Yeah. Those are huge. Yeah. I never really figured out how to use those. <laughs> there's always the guy who's like, I'll cook you the apricorns. And, you, and I'm like, I don't know. I can't be bothered with this. I'm not going to find 80 apricorns for this guy. <laughs> but when you go deep into, like, we had to do... You know, I mean, we knew Pokemon, okay, but we sure. yeah, we, yeah. But this is we when went into the deep mythology. Do they give you like the big fucking? Yeah, is there thing? a Bible? Do they give you like a leather. They were like, home? "Here's your Pokedex, boys. Good luck." They gave <laughs> they give you a Pokedex. Wait, was Professor Oak in tr- an executive producer? On this yes. Movie? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, but but do you have those like things? I don't know if they're like phone calls or meetings where you're like, okay, next item here. What do they eat? Or or the sort of like, is it okay to do this? Is it not okay to do this? Like, are you constantly having to sort of run by things? Right, yeah. How far up the tree does it have to go? There's definitely, like, okay, we're going to float this idea off of, you know, the people in Japan at the Pokemon company. Right, right. Uh, You know, we we had to write some emails explaining what we wanted to do. A few groveling emails. Waiting to see if we got the permission to do it. And, uh, yeah. Sometimes we would, and sometimes we would not. Right. Well, here's... No, sorry, what were you going to say? No, it just... it It was an interesting... To their great credit, they really gave a shit. Sure. You know, yes. like it They're wasn't not just like who cares. It's it wasn't like who game. cares. Yeah, Do what right. you want. They were they were like no no. We have opinions not only about story elements, but right. the way that you know species of Pokemon would behave. Right. Uh-huh. It wasn't just like yeah, do whatever you want. It would be like species individual. It'd be like no no. Squirtle doesn't do that. Wow. What wow. doesn't Squirtle do? Squirtles don't strategize. Interesting. Oh, Why so that, not? You couldn't have like a squirrel as a plot point being a yeah. That Why was wouldn't just, squirrels strategize? That, it, look, this has come straight from the top. <laughs> Is it because they're babies? Wow. Is it that like baby Pokemon wouldn't like they're little? There were some, you know, there Let's were certain that. Yeah, yeah I guess. <laughs> Although, was, it, was it for the Bulbasaur scene? Like it's like Bulbasaurs can be in a herd. It, That's cool. It, it was more like in the process of kind of like. Benji, I really want to talk Pokemon. Yeah. Let's get into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we're going to go deep on this episode. Benji yeah. and I were responsible. One of the things that is really cool about what we got to do is sure. we got to make a master list that was like, here are the Pokemon that we, in a pie in the sky way, right, would like to would uh, want to use. And that yeah, list right. was, you know, there were a hundred on that list. Maybe. Right, right. And then yeah, from right. that list, it got whittled down to however many it got whittled down to. And so with each of those, we would have to kind of explore the the nuance of what, we were allowed to do what sure. we weren't allowed to do, mm-hmm. which evolutions we were allowed to use. And they were very accommodating generally, but it like they had opinions and it wasn't, 
it was a very interesting way of writing because, you know, occasionally I, I, I made the joke, like, and it's not a really joke because it's true. I was writing with one hand and like looking at the Pokedex with the other and going, God, if only there were a bioluminescent mushroom or something. Oh, oh there is one. Right, right. There's <laughs> like, I mean, how many are there now? Like 600 or something? There's over 800. And, and now with the new generation, it's going to be 100 more. Yeah. Wow. Have you guys kept up with it in every iteration? Like, what's your relationship with Pokemon throughout the years? Did I mean, you like when you got the job writing this? Did you come back in and go like, okay, I'm 400 behind. I got to fill in this gap. I would say there was a little bit of of gap filling yeah. in. Yeah, you know, I would need gap filling in. I'm not good on the later games for sure. I mean, and and we knew you know some of the the bigger Pokemon from the later the games. Yeah, right, you know, right, just right. like the fan favorites and things like that. But yeah, we did a deep dive on everything. You know, we went through every single Pokemon, you know, all their evolutions, their interactions, their powers, their, you know. Yeah. It, it, was, it was pretty intense. Well, I mean, I, I guess let's zoom out because, I mean, the first thing that David said to me when the movie ended, when the credits started, uh, after just squealing at the, at the Game Boy graphics. <laughs> uh, yes, love the Game Boy graphics. Right. Credits, yeah. And he turned to me and went, this is crazy that this is what movies are now. <laughs> I, I think I said movies are insane. Yeah, movies are insane right. now. And, uh, uh, and, and he meant it in every possible sense. But that's yep. the really weird thing about this movie, which is a thoroughly weird movie. It, it is. An, it is and I say movie. this is a positive, but like so many times watching it, uh, and, and you guys very generously uh, helped us uh, get in to see it early before because uh, we knew you were only going to be in for a limited window of time. Uh, we went to the premiere. We met Pikachu, not bragging. Yeah, we um, did meet. A redacted bit. Yeah, I asked him um, who his guys were. You asked Pikachu who his guys David were. had a very Tupac-esque pose <laughs> with, pray, the, with the giant Pikachu <laughs> the giant in Times Square. It was very all eyes on yeah. me, which I appreciated. Which I'm pretty sure was just an inflatable Pikachu that I'm sure they always had that they had then been like, "Let's can we get a giant hat and put right. it on it? Like, <laughs> it was not like the hat was part of the inflation. No, that that uh, inflatable Pikachu had just been backstage at Kiss Me Cave. <laughs> it's been there for like the last 20 productions at that theater. Right. Um, it was it was crazy because it was the middle of Times Square was the yellow carpet. Yes. Which was uh and and then the the premiere was at the AMC twenty five. Right. Where like one floor of this theater with twenty five screens was just different screens. Yeah, they had it going in several screens. Right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It was intense. That was the theater that when I used to live in New York that I would go to just as a as a fan. Yeah. Sure. So yeah, there was like a right. weird symmetry yeah. to having it at that theater. Yeah. And then also being reminded how ridiculously designed that theater is it's, where it's it, really is, it is like a labyrinthine nightmare because there's and that weird secret right, escalator right, oh, that goes to the yeah. secret two screens right. no one remembers and they were sort of trying to separate the two things like people who were trying to go to floors one through five one three four five versus floor two which right. is just detective pikachu it's like the exit was weird yeah uh, this is all really exciting stuff for the <laughs> yeah, listeners. Yeah, guys, the but, but it was Empire. also it was just like having to walk through Times square twice it was a it was a it was a it was a weird night for a weird movie right but oh yes so this is the point this is the point uh you guys aren't hired to adapt like pokemon red and blue right Right. There, there's a clear thing that's just like, okay, Pokemon Go, there's this like revival. Everyone's reminded of how popular this thing is. It's been around for 20 years now. It's at the generational level where you can make like, you know, a four quadrant movie around it. And then the announcement is it's Detective Pikachu. They've like, they've won the rights for a live action Pokemon movie and it's Detective Pikachu. To which 
almost everyone said, what? Because that was a game that at this point had not been released anywhere other than Japan. Uh, uh, we know because yeah. when we were starting to write it, they were like, here's the translation of the video game script. Good. And I took three years or two years of Japanese in college and, uh-huh. and I, it was, uh, it was completely useless right. in this particular case. Because right. you're in this weird position where it's like you're adapting a game that there isn't the same kind of emotional affinity for as the property as a whole. But that game now needs to function as an entryway to the possibility of any live action Pokemon movie that can exist under this thing. And it's a fucking insane concept, <laughs> which is what if it's one Pikachu can deep. talk? You're starting four levels deep. That's what right. David and I said to each other. You're starting with like, right. we all, you all know what Pokemon are. Right. You that, all know who Pikachu right. is. You all, right? Like you keep going down, down, down. And then it's like, it, so Pikachu's a detective and he can talk. It would be like starting with Dr. Mario. Yes. Right. We're like breaking, <laughs> we're breaking three like sort of sacrosanct rules of Pokemon to start. The That's what we're saying. Thing. We're like, right. oh, if like Bumblebee is the first soft reboot of like the Michael Bay Transformers, this feels like it would be the fourth soft right. reboot. Right. And it's like you're starting there. And the other thing is like Pokemon is a, is a uh, nuanced concept. It's a messy concept with a lot of tendrils. And this movie just starts with the given that you just know all of it, which like we're like, yeah, this is what these movies should be now, because it's like this thing's been around for 20 years. Why are you going to see a Pokemon movie if you don't know what Pokemon is? We're not going to name other live action video game adaptations that might have had a recent negatively received trailer. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. No idea what movie I could be talking. I could be talking about any. What if they rebrand movie. him as a detective? What if they're like, we 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 got it, we got it. It's fine. He's like, here's the detective hat. It's on him. You're satisfied now, right? We took the note. You don't like the design. He's constantly holding a magnifying glass. Now. <laughs> the design is better now. His eyes look big. Um, no, but like that. That feels like what Dave and I were saying was like how these IP movies. I feel like especially video game movies or like adaptations of kid cartoons used to be done through like the mid two thousands, which was like, well, you know, someone acquires the property and then all the executives go like, but this is dorky shit. Yeah. This is weird. This is weird. This is weird. Have them be transplanted to like. Oakland, California, <laughs> right? And then, uh, you know, it's just them, like, trying to, like, save the school or something. Sure. Joe Jam and Earl are managing an apartment building. <laughs> right, right. Like, that that sort of concept of, like, you have to strip as much of the weird stuff away from yeah. it. Right. You, you put them in, like, a co-op, you know? Um, and this movie just, like, starts with all the weird shit as a given. But also what you guys were saying about, like, all the rules of, of what Pokemon can and can't do. Uh, there's like table setting in the first 10 minutes of the movie of just like, this is the ethical debate around Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Which I always feel has been like the weird underbelly that's like never discussed in the property. And then this movie starts with like, this is a city established on the idea that Pokemon that battling. Human relationships with Pokemon are maybe a little skewed, right? Yeah, like Rhyme City is supposed to be like, oh no, it's no, we don't fight. We're all partners here, right? right. Anyone can work, man or Pokemon. <laughs> Even though Pokemon can't speak, somehow they can hold jobs. How do you do like an interview with a Pokemon? If you're gonna like hire them, for, like work at a coffee well, they have, like, shop. A partner, they yeah, have like I a know, familiar. I know, I know, yes. I know. I get it. I get it. So, at what point do you guys come in on this project? We came in pretty early on. Okay. Uh, after it was announced, when they were they were still trying to track the story and, yeah. and what it was going to be, so we were pretty foundational to to all of that. And and I think uh, 
to go off your point of like why Detective Pikachu yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to anything else in the Pokemon universe, I think, you know, from the top down, when everyone made the decision to make a live action Pokemon movie after yeah. for the first time in over 20 years, they wanted a reason for it to exist. Like they wanted, sure, they sure. wanted it to be different. They didn't want a zillion of the the animated films. That's right, right. and yeah, they yeah. they didn't want to just tell like the red blue story Amen. again. Don't they, disrespect red and blue. No, it's a it's a great story, no, but no. it's right. it's been told yes, of course, a lot, right, and you right. know everyone knows Ash, and if, you know they wanted like the the why now of the live action, sure, and so they they thought that Detective Pikachu would be a great way to do that. You know, having Rhyme City, the city where people and Pokemon are living in harmony, like seemed like a really cool live action thing to see. Right. Uh, and so that's sort of why why we did this. Yeah, right. I also feel like, uh, I feel like post like Endgame, mm -hmm. people have been like debating the concept of fan service a lot. And I've heard many people, I think, smartly make the point that's like, is it really fan service anymore if it's a thing where everyone's a fan now? Sure. Where it's so a part of the monoculture right. that, like, the fandom that you're, like, catering to is, like— uh, It's just audience members. $1.2 right. billion dollars worth right. of box just office in the first buy. three days. <laughs> right. And in the same way, like, uh, someone on our Reddit said that, that Pokemon is statistically— the most successful media franchise of all time. It is. Right. That's right. More if than Star like, Wars. Combine like the video right. games, and the cartoons. You combine everything. The, right, it is right. the biggest media franchise. And you know, fan service, that's a, I don't even really know what that means. I don't either. I mean, I think that's the point. Yeah. It's I just completely like, agree. You know, when we sat down to write it and I, and, and you're right. Some of the things that you mentioned, you know, at a foundational level, when you're sitting down to write yeah. what you know is going to be a huge studio movie mm -hmm. and you're sitting there going, okay, this isn't the obvious way into this story. This right. is a diagonal story that, you know, I, it's not like the people are calling for Detective Pikachu. Right. So I think you have to then go a step back and say, okay, if I were just a viewer, what would I want right. from this story? Yeah. And as a fan of Pokemon, what are the kinds of things I would want to see? And to me, to me, one of the best moments in the movie is when they first arrive into the city. Oh, I can't and, agree more. And it, you just, yeah. it is actually overwhelming how yeah. many Pokemon are in that. Th but it's like businessmen going about their, their day. Uh, and I was like, like tapping Griffin. I was like, that's a do-do. Just, just FYI. I kept pointing I mean, every single one. Yeah, there right, are so right. many in that sequence, but it's right. just like, you know, like a barista going to work mm -hmm. and a guy doing construction. And that to me in some small way, we wanted to replicate the feeling of walking into Mos Eisley Cantina. Okay, I was going to say, I genuinely think that is the best of film. Griffin just struck the table. Yeah, no, because <laughs> I, I thought that was going to be my big money comparison, sure, and then sure, of course sure. you guys did it consciously. Yeah. Where it's like, no one's explaining how this all works. That was the thing. It's just kind of like, yeah, it's sort of chaos, there's a lot going on in the background, and, and I, you kind of right. just get the atmosphere. Isn't that the best way? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, to yeah. me, I'm always the most intrigued when you're like, here's the world. Yeah, this, this, you know, like, yeah, this guy's going to, going to work with the Charmander's tail's on fire. I don't <laughs> know about the safety <laughs> regulations. Tail is but, on fire. You know, it's fine. It, it's, it, it's a given. It's a you're, given. You're just, right. you have to accept that as a given. I also feel like a lot of times I will hear people when they're promoting their movies say, like, we want this to be like the most idly scene. And I'll see it and I'll be like, too much paprika. Like, you're putting too much on it. 
you're like you're calling your shot in advance. And the the confidence of the Mos Eisley scene is that it's just like so overwhelming. Yes. And it's so behavioral and it's it it's a given and, that you're the, just like I know their answers for all of this, and they're not telling me any of it, and the confidence seeps through. I like in most Eisley also that they seem a little pissed off. Yeah. That they walk in, they're kind of like, who the fuck are these? All right. Mm. Yeah, I guess. You can't bring right. your droids no in droid. here. <laughs> like, right. You know, they, they're, there's just a sequence of people turning. I, I'm, I know this is a podcast, but just like turning to look. Yeah. You're like, oh, going, who's that? Right. And then turning right, back. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it doesn't right. matter. I don't care. I've got my life to live. Right. <laughs> I've got my weird alien Right, you I'm know, a jazz headed thing. To. Yeah, I've got to listen to jizz, which you is got what jizz. jazz. That's is right, right. <laughs> Bigger and Dan. Right, right. modal Dan, nodes. The modal nodes. Uh, we love right. them. But it, but it is just sort of like behavioral stuff there. And uh, you guys, last night was you seeing the final uh, movie for the first time. You had seen it with the effects unfinished. The thing Dave and I kept saying to each other the entire time was, "This thing is so fucking beautiful looking. It looks great. Yes, it looks like a Michael Mann movie. Like first of all." We're we're like we've been recording Michael Mann episodes, so we've been watching the early ones, and it's uh-huh. got that same like neon noir thing where it's like a lot of exterior night that's just lit by like the street lamps the signs, yeah. and the signs. Is of the it city. wet too? It's wet. It's very noir. Well, like, you know, in, in the screenplay, if you were to read the screenplay, there yeah. is a direct reference to my favorite movie, The Third Man. Great movie. Which is my. Right. Absolute apex of you know to me just, just the number one movie. I ever love made. I love that you wrote that into the and you know, it, it's it's when Detective Pikachu appears from the shadows. Yeah, and I and and we wanted to capture that moment when Harry Lyme comes. And out he has an show. Orson Wellesian physique. He's sort of yeah, a sort Orson, of round yes, belly. As do know. I. So maybe yeah. that's why I empathize. Three, hey, three great men. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> third man. Yeah, right. Three great guys. What if that's what the third man was called? Yeah, three (laughs) great guys. (laughs) Third man is still Orson Welles in like sort of like slightly husky mode, not yet at full. He's not at full barrel chested. Right, right. But, you know, so sometimes. He's not at Snorlax. He's at Pikachu. Right. So sometimes, you know, you'll read a review that's like, these writers didn't even care. Right. You know, like, sure. Just didn't give a shit about anything, put no thought into it whatsoever. And you're sitting there going, like, you like the movie, you don't like the movie, whatever. But, like, the one thing that is definitely not true from, I would say, 99.9% of writers is that we just didn't give a fuck. And we were like, yeah, whatever. It's just like a paycheck. Yeah, whatever. Just gonna chast that check. I gotta go to, (laughs) you know, like. Right. You just turned in a script that was like, I don't know, Pikachu has a hat or something. He solves a a mystery. Is this okay? Yeah, Yeah. it seems fine. Whatever. Who cares? You know, that that's the kind of thing where I'm like, no, actually, like, you know, when they're on the train and there's a video, I was like, well, I really like the scene in Total. Benji and I were talking about. It felt very We love the scene in Total yes. Recall where, right, right. you know, you sort of introduce to Recall and it's like yeah. a kind of a weird concept that right. they very economically. Got a little intro video. Yeah. It's slightly out. right where you're like, is this on the level? Like, this is yeah. weird. I don't Bill know. Nye. But it's at the same time, it's establishing very important sort of pipe and yeah. narrative stuff. And, and so all of those decisions, like at a foundational level at the beginning, kind of to go back to the beginning of, of what we we're talking about, which is like, these are all decisions and reference points that have to be kind of made mm. pretty early on. Yeah. And then of course executed by, you know, the, you know, the, sure. the director and, and the everyone like that. But, right. but those were all things that we really did put a considerable amount of thought into. I mean, don't you think Benji? Like, yeah, for sure. And yeah, I mean the, the director, Rob Letterman and you know, the DP and the editor, like they made it look, so good. Shot on 35 millimeter. Shot on film. And I think that's a big part of why it feels like the old Michael Mann movies. And like, yeah, it just, it feels real. 
And and the other thing, there were a couple of things that stood out to me. I mean, one is like digital cinematography has come a very long way, but certain like shadows and certain like aspects of light, yeah. it still has a hard time capturing. In this movie, you have the like fucking third man thing where like when they're inside, the room is like lit by like, the the light peering through the slats yes. of the window yeah. blinds, mm-hmm. yeah. which might be like purple, you know, or white. There's the scene I think where where uh, Justice Smith and and Catherine Newton meet for the first time, yeah, yeah. and they're lit by like the flashing police on the staircase, lights. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. they're like in the lobby of a building, but their faces keep on changing from like red to blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's very Blade Runner but, as well. But Blade then the Runner. crazy thing is, anytime there's a Pokemon in the scene, it looks more tactile. And you're like, right, when you're putting digital effects into digital photography, a lot of times it brings out the artificiality more. It flattens everything. Mm -hmm. And when you're putting the filters of, like, filmic quality onto these CGI creations, they feel very, like, in the world. They also, it felt to me like watching it, like, this feels like they're using CGI to make them look, like, slightly more expressive 90s, uh, like, animatronics. Like, it felt very Mm -hmm. tactile. And they looked like like early '90s, like Henson Company, sort of like like it reminded me a lot of of where the Wild Things are. Sure, where on that it was mm-hmm. like big physical suits, yeah. and then only the faces were CGI. Right. And this presumably was all CGI. Yeah. but um, the fur God, is must like freaking nightmare to make this insane. I, <laughs> I asked the editor last night, who's awesome, yeah, uh, and I said, you know, because it was the first time we had met in person, we were talking uh-huh. on Twitter a little bit. I said, so. What was the most difficult sequence to edit? And he just looked at me. He's like, all of them. He was like, every scene. Yeah. Yeah. Every scene was the most difficult scene. (laughs) Were you guys on set at all? We were. Where where did it shoot? Uh, In in London. In London. Okay. We were not on set because we were working uh, a day uh, on a TV show at the time. Okay. So we were. Uh, Because you also, you guys worked on the Tick season? Yes, we worked on, on the critically beloved season two of the Tick. Amazon, what are you doing? Uh, what Let's are you doing, go. Amazon? Come on, what Amazon. Doing? What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, the critically I ordered a bunch of light bulbs. Where are they? I know. Critically Beloved uh, would be 100% on Rotten Tomatoes if they had uh, enough reviews. <laughs> oh, really? It doesn't have enough reviews? Fuck that. It's I think, I, I don't want to say who, but maybe the network we're on did not submit it to enough critics for review. I did appreciate the reviewers that took the time to go and review oh, it. Oh, me though, too. It know, felt like, like they really like fought it out. Yeah. But um, but yes, a thing I know about you guys is that uh, you certainly care a lot. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like there are a lot of people in this industry who self-identify as like dorks or big fans. And then you meet them and they're like, you watched this once when you were like 12. Right. Yeah. You don't like really care. And you guys are like incredibly genuine in your enthusiasm and your like love for these things. Yes, we're nerds. You're like you're a giant nerd. I mean, huge nerd. Because we were I mean, like DMing. We were both at uh, all three of us are at uh, WonderCon in Anaheim. Yep. And we were like, when are we gonna have, like time to like buy toys and stuff? Yeah. Well, I had to go pick up my commissions from Artist Alley. Right, so. right, right. Like I was like, I like press, and you guys were like trying to get in. We're like, is there any time we're all gonna be free to right. be able to like shop together? Yeah. And everyone else in like our groups, I'm sure you guys have the experience too. When you do these things, are just like, why would you go to the floor? Mm-hmm. Like everyone else we're doing press with is just like, this is not my world. Why it looks sure. like a shit show out there. And we're like, yeah, but like Sergio Aragonez is out there. When right. am I gonna not? Yeah, last surgery. time we were at Comic Con, people were like, "Oh, what parties are you going to?" And we're like, "We're not, going, we're not to going to any parties." Yeah. <laughs> That's every Chris time. Claremont's over there. Yeah. Right? He's going to sign X Men One Eighty Two for I me. Wish. You got Nargona's commission? I do have a Gru the Wanderer. 
I genuinely, every time I hover around, because he's always at these conventions. Sure. I hover around his booth, and I'm too starstruck to actually step up and do it. My advice, first of all, he's extremely generous. Seems nice. nice. I stand there for five minutes watching I mean, watching if they're going to these things, they're probably <laughs> yeah. ready to be nice. Yeah. Um, my advice is to just do it when you meet these people. Because I'm uh, the artist Jerry Robinson, who created the Joker, yeah. was at Comic-Con maybe six or seven years ago. Yeah. And a lot of people actually weren't aware of who he was. He just had a little booth at Artist Alley. And, yeah. I, and I said to my friends, you know, uh, and Benjamin, I was like, this is like a legend. We have to get permission right. by this guy. And he passed away about a year later. Wow. And it was yeah. just, every time I look at this Batman that he drew for me, I'm like, I am so happy that I have this to commemorate this really important person. Sure. And I don't know. So my, that's so, yes, the geekdom is like <laughs> right. earnestly come by and like honestly, you know, true. I mean, I, I sometimes, one of my frustrations about this industry mm-hmm is I do think that sometimes there is a little bit of, um, I don't know if disdain is the right word. It's probably the right word for people that are like too passionate about a certain I thing. I think so. Sure. And yep. that to me, obviously you have to be like a normal person. You can't be, you know, <laughs> sure, so sure. socially sure. bereft that yeah. you're incapable of, you know, being professional. But yeah. I have always felt like, no, get the people that, Give a shit, right? I, I think there's this weird thing of people who don't give a shit hiring other people who don't give a shit because they think it's cooler to not give a shit. And I feel like the first, like, six years of me, like, hitting the pavement trying to have a career, I kept on being told, your problem is you care too much. Mm. Like, I got that for, like, six years as, like, an actor and everything. Of just, like, you get, like, too invested in this shit. Right. You, like, want these things too much. You care too much about the thing. And uh, and you like you see it that very often these jobs go to the people who are just like I'm writing some fucking Pokemon movie and you're like why did you hire the guy <laughs> who hates the fact that he's being paid a million dollars to write the Pokemon movie and if you were behind the scenes with some of the people that we've encountered sure. you would feel even more so that way you'd be like yes sure you don't even like the property that you're writing like you, you view it as like an albatross around your neck that you have like, to I've do gotta, this job yeah right. I've, oh i gotta write thundercats like, right. Uh, right like let I, someone that's else write one, thundercats yeah, yeah. But that's a good example of yeah like where there is definitely i'm sure dozens of people in hollywood who are like i know thundercats like backwards and forwards i right. grew up with it i have a take on it that can like exist in this era right this is what we're talking about with fan service yeah like that's what fan service is that sort of dismissive thing of like right this is too into itself like right. why is it petting it you know like who cares about Cap doing this in Avengers? Right. right, you know, and it's like no people care. People have been and putting their lives yes, into yes. it or whatever. Right, and I think there's a difference between it's like you know what what is fan service even anymore? You know, when this stuff is the monoculture. You know, when it's not like you're catering to some right. small sliver. But it's the difference between like these things that are like genuine story payoffs that you've set up properly versus like like victory lapping, where it's just like let's get like cheap pops off of like right, showing you sure. the thing you know. And right. I feel like anything that's properly integrated into a story, whether or not it satisfies the fans, then it's fucking, then that's storytelling. Then it works. Right. No, and I will say to to Legendary's credit, like, they came to us because they knew we were nerds. Right. And sure. it, like, who are the biggest nerds that we know? Right. And they're like Get a protective the company who knew they didn't want to hire assholes, I'm sure. <laughs> right. right. No, and they, you know, we had worked with the producers uh, on a movie in the past that, that didn't go. Yeah. And, you know, a year later... They called us. And they we're remembered like, you. Yeah, right. yeah, you guys are are the biggest nerds we know, and 
So, you know, here's the nerdiest property that we have for you. So you guys, you, you have uh, many, many TV credits. This is your first produced feature film. Yeah. Yes. But, uh, and, and you, got, you got some pretty credits on this movie. Because I know, like, credit yes. arbitration can be a whole thing. Oh, it can. But you guys get in a story and screenplay by, right. which is kind of like the double whammy. Yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was definitely, um, it was a nerve-wracking process. Yeah. And I don't know if people necessarily know about this process. Hey, and WJ talk about it as much as you want to. I, I, I hope it's not too inside base. Well, I people, guess this is I guess this isn't in, like if yeah. there ever were a place yeah. to inside baseball. And people ask is, us, and I want you guys also to define this. People have asked us, and we promised to talk about it, never did the difference between the ampersand and the written out and. Oh, yeah, if people don't the, know. The that, ampersand right. is we're is a writing a team. Right. Dan Hernandez and Benji Samet. Right. Right. Uh, with an ampersand and the the word and is people that you know, came in before had a after. Right. Right. Separately. Right. Sort of yeah. had a separate writing experience. So if you, you guys seen, are like Lucy and Psyduck, right? It's we are Lucy right. and Psyduck. We are I'm definitely right. Psyduck. Partners. Right. Uh, like you, Griffin, I have been accused of caring way too much. A many, really, many times. A really fun thing to hear that doesn't make you want to jump <laughs> off of a cliff. Right. It, when you, especially when discussing an artistic, creative enterprise. Like, right. Why do you care about this? You go to these meetings with people who are like, oh my God, I'm still so coked up from last night. Anyway, your problem is you care too much. I moved to LA all Right. Sorry, like, oh, I, sorry, I want it to be good, guys. Yeah. Well, that's that's why on on literally day one that we started working on this movie, we came in and said the number two Pokemon in this movie is going to be Psyduck. Because, oh! Right, of course, because that's, that's that is. Yeah. I mean, Dan especially right. is well, always just, related. To I relate to Psyduck. Yeah, I love he has Psyduck. Headaches. He's anxious. I, you know, I don't. Yeah. Know, I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever gone into something awful for him. It's like I don't know why you would have, but like they used him as like yes. an emoji. Yes. Right, he was a big sort a, of a like feel. a big right. Yeah. yeah. So it just to me see. So those were the kind of decisions that we had to that we personally made early on. Yeah. That I think are I, I'm the most proud of some of those. Things because we sort of pitched the potential of this character, and I think that you'll see from the side of Psyduck, right. you know, from the advertising and from the yeah. trailers and the response. Like they're confident he's the breakout. Character. He's the breakout character. But yeah. we sort of said at that initial meeting, we think he can be the breakout character. Obviously, Pikachu is going to be you know beloved, but right. so you know the. Uh, yes, so that was That's that was a, a long way of saying that credit arbitration can be very stressful. Let's talk about as much as we can. All right, yeah. so let's talk yeah. about it. So basically, in any big, not necessarily any big movie, yeah. but in many, many big movies, I would go so far as to say most. Yeah, the the credits that you see on the screen don't necessarily, in fact, do not represent the amount of writers who work. Right. Yes. On the especially screen. a project like uh, this, like a sort especially of big in a studio project. project. A studio film like this usually has tens of writers. Right. Tens of writers. Right. So you'll see, but because of Writers Guild of America rules, right. on the screenplay credit, there can be up to three entities. Mm -hmm. So Benji and I count as one entity. Sure. Sure. So you can have three entities for that and two entities for the story mm -hmm. credit. Right. Um. And there's, you know, there's some different. Benji has like a masterful command of this sort of the nuance. Can you say the difference between story and screenplay? Or like, yeah, what is the difference between story and screenplay? Is it sort of created elements versus dialogue and scenes? Yeah, I mean, the screenplay is. I mean, I think the actual things that they base it off of are, you know, dialogue mm -hmm. contributes to screenplay. Uh, the unique like scene structure, like, sure. structure within the scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, it's some of the characterization theme, stuff, sure. theme, you know, stuff like right. that. 
the story is really yeah your your big picture beat for beat some yeah. of the characters um things like choosing which stuff from the game to adapt sure. into the actual movie well mm-hmm. that's the other weird thing with like story credits on something like this that's based off of something mm-hmm. it's like in in a uh, a nightmare alternate reality where you guys uh got pushed off this project early and most of your stuff was rewritten there's an argument like, well, they were the guys who pushed for Psyduck, so they kind of get a story by credit well, and, because Psyduck has and, a large and role. That can happen sometimes, right? And, for and, sure. so, and so, you have these 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 two elements: mm-hmm. story and, and screenplay. And in general, you will then you'll so you'll have let's you'll have the first writer, the first person sure, that's going to sure. put pen to right. paper, yeah, and and that you know, and then they say thank you, screenwriter one. Uh, Great job! You're either going to go do another job, sure. or we don't like you anymore. So was that or, Nicole Perlman for this? Um, in yeah. this case, Nicole Perlman. Yes. Yeah, she was she came in at the very beginning, at the very beginning of the and, process, and, and and then or relatively early on, she then had to go back to Captain Marvel. She she's one of those a, people a who thing. like she's great, yeah. she's, right? But but she's, she's awesome. sort of made an industry off of being the first crack at a screenplay right she i feel like because she, right. she, she has she like a very full docket she's jumping from one thing to another and it's right. like in this case, she'll lay out the foundation for she you. was she right. was really just she did the first outline she didn't sure. even do the first screenplay sure uh and so yeah it was a little it was a little different right i i think originally she was going to do the first screenplay but had you know, the process got right. slowed yeah. down. Well, you right. know, whatever Marvel it was, back she had to go to Marvel. Yeah. She's working on like a Labyrinth movie. She's yeah. working on that Fast Must have been tough. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. So, but she's the person who might sort of identify the basic layout of the skeleton. Such as, you know, for right. example, Pikachu's a detective. He's on the case. So, if, like that. so right. if you look at the credits, she also has story credit with right. us for, yes. Yes. for good reason. Yes. So then, you know, you might go through, if you're lucky, you'll be the writer and you'll stay mm-hmm. on the project yeah. from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. But if other things happen or if you're busy or some of these screenwriters are so booked that they yeah. can give a dedicated amount of time and then they go on to another project. So then other writers start to come in. And so then those writers begin to make changes. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, and that can but, be anywhere from, you know, one, you know, two, three to two. Dozens. Dozens. Yeah. Right. Depending right. on well, the project. And then there's right. stuff like, or like I mean, rooms. They'll bring, right. yeah, rooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll well, do that's a round table thing. of right. just punch up jokes. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, story breaking rooms. Which yeah. I just imagine people being like, what if he said, like, uh, that's got to hurt? And they were like, yeah, yeah here's $20,000. <laughs> and they just like throw it at him. It is kind of like that. Not quite $20,000. <laughs> He's standing right behind me, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and that's 15. But if uh, you looked at the some of the names who pitch jokes on yeah. on these movies i won't i won't you know say it but sterling Silver really fan, genius Robert people Bones, i mean amazing right. well people. pat oswald has been very open about the fact that yes. that was his main income movies, for like 15 yeah. or 20 years before he really kind of broke into the mainstream as a scott stand-up. ackerman's another one who would right just, we're yeah. always in the rooms for so there's things. a lot of people who are absolutely like geniuses who are coming in and doing this and so now all of those people have to be taken into consideration and then you know, if you have a director who's writing, the director is also working on this. Sure. The director in this case, yeah, let him Rob, right. the Rob did yeah. a, a bunch of writing for this movie. Yeah, right. And deservedly got credit. So now, at the end of this whole process, mm-hmm. you know, we wrote this movie two years ago. Yeah. Over two years. Over two years ago now. Right. They're like, okay, we need to figure out who gets what credit on this movie. And that process is done through the Writer Guild, Writers Guild of America arbitration. Yeah. Right, right. 
So basically, you get the final shooting draft, mm-hmm. and you sort of have to make a legal argument in a way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, so yeah, the, yeah. I mean, the, the studio makes a recommendation of who they think should get credit. Sure. And then, you know, you can protest it. Yeah. Um, if you don't think that it's right. representative of the what the credit should be. Right. And, you know, if there's a protest, you don't know who triggered the protest. Or, yeah. You know, and there's certain things involved. that trigger automatic right. arbitration. If, if the, like, right. in this case, we, were, we knew we were going to have an arbitration because uh, when the director is a writer, it's an automatic arbitration. Sure. Sure, because they um, want to make sure that the director, not actually, in this case, but right. it, sometimes the director might want to just get the credit for everything. Right. Sometimes the director yeah. like will tweak a couple lines and say so that, that they can I'm a writer on it, too. Right. And in the old days, I think that, that this was that a was, They would get away yeah. with a lot, right? right? Like in the, you know, the, the studio days. Yeah. Of, like, right. um, so, so, yeah, so then they, they send you, you know, the, the final script, and they also send you every draft from along the way. Right. And you read through everything. And, you know, write a statement. Yeah, I mean, that must be the case. worst job is the the reader at the WGA who has to read through like 800 drafts and, so they and have, underline so all then, the differences. Well, that's exactly right. And so then it goes to a panel of three arbiters, three arbiters. who are other writers that have been through this process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they yeah do their best to, to place authorship on who did the most work. Right, um, and there are certain numerical thresholds that you have to hit, which is kind of, to me, like amorphous, and and you know, right. it's like the difference between thirty three percent and thirty two percent. Right. You know, I I've made the joke occasionally, like when I saw Captain Marvel, I was like, well, every stunt cat was credited by name. It yeah. was like Nova and Luna yep. and yeah. Scratchy and <laughs> yeah, but probably someone who wrote twenty five percent. Right. Or theoretically, someone who had written 25% right. of that movie would have their name literally not on the movie. Right. And there are weird things where sometimes, you know, they bring in a writer to rewrite something just because they're like, we need another pass at this. But sometimes they're bringing people in as like a skill shooter where they're like, the villain isn't working. Mm-hmm. Right. Or we just need the dialogue tightened up or the story beats right. aren't the working. The last act makes no sense. But sometimes right. depending on how much of an influence that one element has, someone could get a disproportionate credit on the film That's because right. their pass ended up, even though it was only meant to affect the one thing. Yeah. So you have all of these different factors and then ultimately they make a determination and that determination is what you see on the, on the movie. In our case, we felt very happy that we got the first position on the screenplay and the story because we felt like we were there at the beginning of this yeah. process and for better or worse, if you like the movie, that's, very much on us and if you hated it that's on us too and but you guys put a lot of the meat on those bones i, I would yeah. say yeah i, yes. I mean i yeah. think i think you know the 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 process worked the arbitration in in my opinion was fair and and gave credit to the right people um you know i think us and rob and derek the the credited screenwriters, the last, right, uh yeah. did did the bulk of the of the screenplay, and like I think it's a, a few of the other writers that didn't end up getting credit, it was yeah, it was more targeted stuff, sure, like you sure. said. Um, but and I don't think they were expecting credit. There is a that. debate in the in writer circles whether people who don't make their names for the screenplay or the story by deserve an additional writing material credit. Sure, which maybe not which in, you see in animation, yeah. right, right, which is right. not like under WGA right, 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 jurisdiction. Right. 
uh, yeah, there's an additional writing credit. Yeah. And uh, I think it kind of makes sense. That, I, I, yeah, it seems like it would uh, make good sense because it's also like you have a lot of people. Uh, there were so many of the most successful screenwriters in Hollywood have no uh, credits to their name. Right. And it's like within the industry, they get hired a lot because people know that they did the work mm-hmm. on these things, but mm-hmm. they don't have anything they can actually sort of cite as a produced work where their name was on it. Right. And and as you know, it's in TV, it's so different. Like, you know, you know, on The Tick, all of the writers were working on right. everything. Right. right. TV right. is and, its own And piece. everyone right. sort of gets get their episode. Credit, right. You know, like we're consulting producers on every right. episode of season two. Right. And, you know, different writers get different producer credits or staff writer or story editor. Right. Uh, and, and you so, guys have your episode, right, like episode two is your episode, quote right, unquote, right. but that doesn't imply that you guys wrote that entire episode on your own or that you didn't work on any other episodes. Correct. That's right. So I personally am in favor of additional writing material credit. Mm-hmm. I sure. think there are some legitimate reasons why some people are against it. And, uh-huh. I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I understand those reasons, but there is something to me that's a little icky that someone can work. Yeah, so yeah, that can write lines that people say in the movie and that don't get any recognition for it. But you know, it's it's in my opinion as it's like the best process we have uh, uh-huh. at this time. Sure, and not to say that it's perfect. And and Benji and I have actually both been arbiters. Well, it was the second oh, wow. the second we we won our arbitration. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guild immediately called us and they're like, "You want to do well, it now? Well, right, while right. you're feeling good, yeah, hey, yeah. Can we get you to do it." So, yeah, but it so was we, good that we did it because it was really interesting to be on that side of things. And yeah. you do realize once you are in the position of making a determination, we took it extremely seriously. And, sure, and, yeah. and you realize that actually it is best to have fellow writers adjudicating this right. kind of thing because there are some nuances that other people who aren't in it in that way might not necessarily pick up like if you had like a lawyer do it or right like a yeah, and of course, right. of course. Like that, yeah. so. and aside from the credits and everything it's also like that's that's the line between whether or not you're potentially in line for residuals and everything right yeah yeah I mean, which is huge yeah. <laughs> humongous whether or not you have an ongoing financial stake in the that's movie a, the, right that's right. right so for the f- Five of you who were hoping for an in-depth exploration of the credits Hell process. Yeah. We got yeah, you, baby. Our Detective Pikachu episode. <laughs> we got on that you. Right. People weren't expecting that. <laughs> I think it's really interesting, personally. I mean, I think that the, the process of... Put, I do think that the process of putting a movie like this together, yeah. just in its DNA, is so radically different from someone who is making an independent movie. Yes. Who's, you know, got their script that they're championing right. for years. Right. This is not a blacklist script. This is not like, a blacklist like, script. This is, you know, we have friends who are like putting together the financing for their movies right. and right. trying right. desperately Going to get Going to them. Europe and no, talking this, to shakes or this whatever. This was on day one of us writing. We were already meeting with concept artists and storyboard right. people. Right. It was going to get made no matter what. There are many plates scenes. being spun. Right, like, right, right. You know, just off, like we're pitching ideas for scenes that they start like animating animatics for without us even having dialogue written for it. It's a speeding train and it's like, if you guys can't stay on, then they're going to find someone else to conduct it. It's going to keep moving. It's interesting. I mean, you know, I think that once you have a lot of different experience, Benji and I have been very fortunate in the sense that we've worked on single cam television. We've worked on multi-cam television. Mm -hmm. We've worked on big studio movies. We've worked on smaller movies. Mm -hmm. Um, We've had animated scripts, you know, like, so mm-hmm. we, we've, we've been fortunate to like get to play in a lot of different realms. And you do realize that while the skills are very similar and can be 
you know, certain things are applicable to everything. There are nuances to each of those things that are kind of, you have to kind of learn the, the, the intricacies of them in order to, I think, be successful. So you guys know, you know, here's the Pokemon universe is being given to you as a given, which is like maybe like 80% of the world building, you know? I mean, certainly the setting, the universe your film is taking place in, the majority of the supporting cast, that stuff's being like passed over to you. And it's like, you have to pick which elements you have to sort of curate from here. And then there's the video game, which in terms of like, it's not a very straight adaptation of the video game. It's the like, Pikachu can talk. He's a detective. It's Mm -hmm. a mystery partnership with a human but the video game is set in rhyme city right? yeah it's set yes. in rhyme okay. city the the where and it's the same thing of like people, people are out with their pokemon yeah, out with right. their pokemon and yeah it was a bit of a challenge at first because yes like the entire universe of pokemon is a given that's being handed yeah. to us but because this is such a weird side where like we're now writing a script where like that's a pokemon movie where we can't really use pokeballs Right, right, right. There's no battling. There's no trainers. Right. Like yeah. it is. So a lot of like the the obvious choices of things to like the state, the old standbys. Yes. There's no team rocket. We couldn't do that. Right. right. I've sometimes compared it to writing a Star Wars movie without a lightsaber or the force. It right. Kind of right. Like right. It's like a yeah. Star Wars movie. If like, what if we went to Mos Eisley Cantina and there was like a sort of one-to-one mystery to deal with. And we just stayed right. there. And like right. Han Solo like got a yeah. drink and left. Right. And, and, and you don't and follow him. Jedi's right. never showed up. Right. Yeah. Yes. I'll say this too. It's like watching it. I was like, this is what I kind of want the Star Wars standalone films to feel like. Where <laughs> it's just like it's just a sandbox. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and also, and I just interviewed the Russo brothers about Avengers, and I asked them like, couldn't couldn't Marvel make like a forty million dollar movie? Yeah. Like, isn't that possible? And they right. were like, obviously, theoretically, maybe you know, but like they weren't they weren't like, yeah, we totally want to do that. But you could make a a ground level movie in any of these sort of. I feel you like know, that's what the Disney Plus series are going to end up. That's what Shazam was, was. right? Which was like yeah, yeah. was like very satisfying for that exact reason. We love Shazam. I I have felt the same way. Like there was a series of books when I was growing up, like Tales from Mos Eisley Cantina. Yes, you know the Star Wars EU books, and it was like. What's uh, the bartender up to? Right. Well, you know, Han Solo is doing that. And yeah, I would watch that movie. I have always, yeah. <laughs> I have right. always felt like there's like Star Wars, for instance. Yeah. It does seem like there's room in the Star Wars universe to just have like a horror movie. Oh, the right. Star Wars horror movie. Or 100%. The Star Wars crime movie. Right. Like what, you know, and I don't know if you guys remember, but do you remember like before Disney bought, um, uh, Star Wars, Star Wars that George Lucas had been like we've commissioned 70 scripts of yes, the Star Wars yes. show yeah. and it's like, going to be, the, gonna be yeah. the wire of Star Wars yeah, right. and I was so pumped I was right. like yes where the fuck is that where show where the fuck is the wire of Star yeah, Wars right. I want that right not to say I don't I'm going to look up what it was going to be called I it do, some great names I do love you know I mean as a fan like I'm in on it I'm going to see it I love right. everything but it does sometimes feel like there is room within some of these bigger franchises to like kind of do something a little weird right. sometimes. It is incredibly weird though that this is the starting point for yes. like the live action iteration and you go like okay so you're not making a red and blue movie you're not adapting the Ash story again. Mm-hmm. Then like the B or the C would be like you have to make a new emotional story about a Pokemon trainer. Well, and then you guys move to like like 27 like you moved off of the alphabet and into numbers well so so what we tried to do since we couldn't do pokeballs or trainers or any of that stuff we wanted we thought about like well what is something from the pokemon universe that we can carry over yeah and and what we focused in on was the concept of evolution 
which which I think is really smart. which is yeah. you know right. that's inherent to Pokemon Part of the Pokemon world. And right. so we wanted to write something about like what does it mean to evolve? Like not just a Pokemon evolving, but can people evolve? Can yeah. re- our relationships evolve? Uh, so that was sort of our day one starting point right. that, that we worked off of. But that also brings in the whole interesting thing about the movie. Like, I, when I was, like, fucking 20 and dumb, I, like, stayed up until, like, 6 o'clock in the morning with I my friend I supposed to know when you're 30 and dumb. No, I'm 30 <laughs> and dumb, right. But I stayed up until, like, 6 o'clock in the morning with my friend John writing a fucking Pokemon pitch uh-huh. that was, like, our fucking insane, edgy, violent Pokemon pitch oh God, that was... It was it, it, Yes, I'm you sure it was. You should have gone to jail. I was arrested. <laughs> I was ar- arrested briefly. Uh, but uh, it it was the oh the Pokemon like snap and they turn against the humans and that mm-hmm. becomes like a zombie movie with the Pokemon because I was so obsessed. I'm mad at you for even writing this pitch. I was twenty. <laughs> okay, I think it's fine. great. No, when I was sucks. in college, I would get drunk and write, write Star Trek erotica. It was like that. <laughs> it was Just, like that. Right, not right. not in earnest, but like my friends would provoke me and be like, "Come on, do it." Right. Uh, okay. Right, because I was so fascinated by like the weird like underbelly of like. The Pokemon franchise never talks about how this is kind of a weird abusive relationship between the humans and the Pokemon. Sometimes the games would, but then it would always be a villain who was saying right. these things and it would turn out he had like some ulterior motive and right. sort of forget about it. But this movie from the get go, like even in what you're talking about, the relationship with evolution, it's like this uneasy thing between the humans and the Pokemon where it's like they have this dominance, but the humans also sort of like feel like uh, uh, insignificant next to the Pokemon because they have the ability to grow in this way. And in that, like, Verhoeven, like, back a train video, you explain the thing of how, like, uh, uh, throughout history, you see the hieroglyphics. Yeah, yeah. Where it's, like, humans have had this weird, like, transactional, like, using their powers relationship. Or whatever whatever it's called in the Egyptian cave painting. And people are trying to find the Mew bones because they're like, that's probably the key to this whole thing. It was Mew bones. Mew bones. Oh, shit. I love bones. Pokebones? Pokebones. Ancient Pokebones. Oh, shit. Dusty ass bones. The progenitor bones. So, yeah, I mean, that was something that we sort of had to make some decisions about yeah. as, as screenwriters and what we settled on which I actually think is one of the best parts of the movie is this idea that the Pokemon have an emotional understanding mm-hmm. of, right. the of their partner. And, yeah. right. and that always felt kind of true to it I has mean, to be right right or uh, right or wrong I do feel that I have that with my dog uh-huh. right, I but, feel that my yeah. dog has an innate understanding of, of like yes but, and, and sometimes dogs don't obey you as right. Pokemon won't obey right, you right, if they don't respect even, you it's, I think it goes yeah it's like that but even further in all the Pokemon anime and games yeah. right, it's like right. there is a communication between trainers yeah. and their right. Pokemon right. Uh, and yeah we just wanted to explore that and, and take it further and yeah. make it a little bit more explicit that there is actually while you are choosing a pokemon that they also have to choose you right mm-hmm. which right. i think is something that that's a line you have in that opening sort of yeah. scene where yes. justice smith is hunting a cubone not hunting wrong word right. uh, hey, hey, hey. You know, chasing a <laughs> cubone yeah and you just have that line it's sort of a tossed off line but it kind of settles a lot of the weird questions of the right. whole relationship but you have right the there. pokeball you have them in the field yes. like you kind of yeah. hit like yes. some of the familiar beats of like this is the live yeah, action yeah, right, Game right. Boy adaptation. The wandering in, your in the mind. grass. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know if you guys know this. I auditioned for that role. He did. Oh, he, no. he auditioned for the what, the, the Karen Sony role. Right, right. Uh, who gets uh, 90% of the roles I auditioned for. 
Uh, deservedly well, so. he's very good. He he's very a very good, good actor. Uh, but uh, the sides that I got, because uh, I showed this to David, because I, I, I wanted to make David proud that I'd gotten a Detective Pikachu audition. Uh, the sides for this audition, uh, they tried to like uh, to rewrite disguise them, it. disguise yeah. them, so that you wouldn't know that it was a <laughs> Pokemon audition. That's so, so they changed it all to uh, dog-related nouns. Yeah, Pokemon were called pooches. Yeah. In this so in funny. Side, and instead guess. of Pokeball, it was baseball? Yes. You have to throw a baseball at, at the, the pooch? pooch. Yeah. Actually, the, the truth is out now, I guess. We actually wrote pooches. Uh, what? First. Yes. We wrote Detective Pooch. Detective you wrote pooch. Detective Pooch? And, pooch and this, we had a right. pooch pitch, and this was all grafted on <laughs> after the fact. And they were like, this could very quickly become a Pokemon script. I don't know and if you guys like, know. Would you guys be comfortable with that? And yeah. we were yeah. like, I've never, I'm, yeah. don't I'm know not, what that fam- is. not familiar. Yeah, you wrote this script about asshole kids throwing baseballs at dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this could become... That was the other thing. The implication was so weird because it was like, look at that dog out there in the field. Here, throw a baseball at it. <laughs> I think the thing that you guys do not touch on that would be the hardest for any movie to touch on is the fact that in the game, you can just put like hundreds of Pokemon into a computer and never think about them yes. again. <laughs> I don't know what that life is like for right. a Pokemon. You know, it's fine when you have your team and you're walking around, but then when you're just catching things, yeah, put them in the computer, whatever. I right. don't care. I right. never yeah. want to think about them. I got and another Rattata. And the, Who ball, cares? the ball logic is like tough. Like it's like fun to watch the one ball scene at the beginning, but mm-hmm. then I'm like, I'm glad we're spending this movie yeah, away from like the balls. The ball? Right, because right. I just start to go like, is it like my I dream of genie? Like we cut inside, are they like lounging on a couch? I actually think there's a lot of interesting stuff to be done sure. with that. So I, I sort of, you know, we'll see if that gets explored in the future in, yeah. in some way. Uh, but that, yeah, I mean... Yeah, no, I mean, I, I personally like to think that there is something luxurious inside there. <laughs> sure, that, like that a couch. It's, that it's like the TARDIS. It's huge inside. Right, and, right, and, right. And they live happy lives. Yeah. Maybe that's just I think me that's being the best way to think about it. Yeah. But I also think it's one of those things in live action. Not that they, as you said, it shouldn't touch it in other live action Pokemon movies, of which I assume they'll now be 97. But there is <laughs> like something different. Uh, you got to catch all those films. Uh in live action versus animation, where if you have a dude walking around with a belt mm-hmm. with like six yeah. balls on it, every right. step he's taking, you're like, so there's like, there's right. like a, a Pidgeot right in there. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that, I, that, I, that guy has a sea lizard. In yeah. Wait, right. wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> I do think that for people like my mom, that sure, was sure. one good thing about doing it as Detective Pikachu right. in yes. this context, because there there is some familiarity that oh, many people are bringing to this that they're like yeah, oh, yeah they they keep them in the balls and they fight i mean right. that's, I mean, it's fine. I mean, that's, that's the but there are game. people that have no context for this right. and are like wait what's going on right do we have to call the aspca or you know the right. PSPCA? <laughs> i don't know like the, the other thing that's kind of nice you guys talk about the relationship between the humans and the pokemon and everything it reminded me of like like his dark materials, like mm. like the weird sort of Damon thing. Yeah, yeah, right. Of like when you have the early scene with Ken Watanabe, who is fucking killing it he in this movie. My fa- one of my Detective very favorite Mishida. actors, oh. and I did not get to talk to him at the premiere oh. last night. And oh, I was was like, he there? I would have. He was him there down. on the red carpet or the yellow carpet. Yeah. But yellow carpet. And I was like next to him, I, yeah, and I man. was like almost like, hey, Ken Watanabe. And then it was, <laughs> it was too and late. then he was gone, yeah. and it was like, <sighs> I mean, as David said. He wears the shit out of a fedora in this movie. He is so good looking. He is so striking. He's a very striking So in the pocket. When I saw him in person, I was like, oh shit. The last samurai is a hottie. He is, I mean, he's very good in 
in almost anything he does. Mm-hmm. You know, he was on stage in The King and I, you know, got a Tony and I, like he can do anything. But in Last Samurai, that he like so thoroughly embarrasses Tom Cruise on screen. Where he's oh. like, here is a charismatic performance. I love Tom Cruise. What are you talking Last about? Last Samurai is not his strongest performance, no, in my opinion. No. Um, but like that <laughs> scene where Ken Watanabe is like doing a play for people in The Last Samurai. Yeah. Yes. Right and, before the ninja right attack. Before, exactly. Yeah. And he's like, you're like, oh my God, this guy is like like face meltingly charismatic. Can I can I you gonna defend can Tommy? I defend Tommy Sake! for one second. You remember when he's like hammering on the floor? There's a moment in that same sequence. Yes. Where at the end of it, and I think it's beautifully shot. I love the way that, it's a good that looking movie. part is it, that movie. That whole movie is shot beautifully. And there's a scene at the end of the ninja attack where Ken Watanabe and Tom Cruise are standing back to back at the end, and they're just like in the you know in the in the midst of like battle fury, right? You know, and 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 they kind of look at each other and they understand. All of a sudden, they right. understand each other. Hey. At, that is some good face acting from Tom Cruise. That is, <laughs> that's some fine He's a great face, face actor. actor. He's a great face actor. I mean, I want to rewatch the movie anyway. It's been, it's been too long. I'll come back for that one. Please let me come back for that one because I have studied for that our movie. Zwick series. <laughs> yeah, for the Zwick. Yes, I will come back for the Zwick. Series. Um, I just, I just like in that scene the dynamic of like here's this like conversation happening between two humans, mm-hmm. and then every once in a while you cut out to like a two shot. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right, and you're like, and he's like, kind of mirroring, you know, like yeah. emotionally. Right. Yes. Well, yeah. the snubble is like, he's like a like a, I don't know, like a German Shepherd or something, right? right. Like how a cop might have yeah. like an animal that you know is sort of like almost his little tough guy. But because they're otherworldly, there is that thing of just like you know, with dogs, where like, do they, do they get like I want to believe my dog like and I are on the same level, right, right? But they don't have the same sort of facial expressiveness to know that they totally get what's going on. And the Pokemon in this, you're like, you can tell which Pokemon get it and which ones don't. Mm-hmm. You can tell which ones are yes. keyed in and which ones aren't. Mm-hmm. Which ones are kind of like wild and which ones like are sort of more sophisticated. This is another thing I loved. Was just like, anytime you have these sort of scenes of the city, I mean, especially that that uh, the first scene where he gets off yeah. the train. But like, I feel like movies like this, they get so uh, drunk with the potential of like, we can do anything that it just becomes like fucking noise. And watching this, there's, like, a weird amount of restraint in how the Pokemon are animated, where mm-hmm. some of them are just, like, sitting on a bench. Yeah. There's when he checks into, or, uh, where is it? When he At, it, at his dad's apartment. His dad's apartment, yeah. right. And there's the one against the glass, and yeah, it's barely yeah. moving. Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. like, the lizardy one. they're animating these things like they could be practical. Yeah. They're not over-animating them because right. they can. Right. And so you just have these little things where just, like, the flicking of, like, eyelids... Yeah, or no, like a it, little muscle spasm. I think is the, like, you know the guiding principle uh, from Rob at the very beginning was just like let's make it real. Let's yeah, make sure. it real. And yeah, so it's not like overly flashy or silly or like what you know what is the thing that this Pokemon would be doing to like appeal to little kids the most? Like it's right. just no. This if if there was really a lizard Pokemon, it would probably just be stuck to a, a window like that it feels like it's a given and it makes it like kind of i would imagine a slightly easier buy-in for people who aren't like invested in pokemon because mm-hmm. the movie just treats it like this is just like a thing and you got to roll with it yeah sure but then also mewtwo is in this movie right which is like something <laughs> it where it opens like, with me exactly we're like this is more like deeper lore like you should maybe know what we're talking about to understand this well i feel like that's bolder that's a little riskier right, right? i don't know i mean it was you know Mewtwo was one of the harder elements to mm-hmm. balance sure. when when writing it, and and I think that that was something that that 
everyone worked on throughout the entire sure, process sure. of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because it does require a little bit of deeper lore and it mm-hmm. does require an understanding that there are like, I don't know, tiers of Pokemon that it's like, sure. yeah. well, this one is... There's a lot of Pikachus out there. There's only one Mewtwo. Right, there's only right. one Mewtwo. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of... It's man-made. It's yes. more right. powerful than anyone else. Right. Like, it's kind of a person. It can like talk. Right. You know. Yeah. Like, it powers. It makes smoke monsters. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh-huh. And the smoke monsters get real big, and he, they fight for the Mewtwo. Right. That's the power. No. What no. What was that? Oh, I was just guessing. <laughs> you just guessing. It's just like a psychic Pokemon. It can like terrorize your brain and I, shit like that. Yeah. I will say there is a terrorize lot of your brain like Freddy Krueger. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There is, go for it. There is a lot of gas in this movie, Ben. Gas? Little vials mm-hmm. of purple gas. Yeah, they kind of charge you up. Interesting. There's like an evil drug on There's the street. There's potions? <laughs> yeah. There's potions. There's potions. Yeah. potions. Like weaponized Zeros. potions. Love or, a good potion. Rita Ora plays a scientist. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think what else is going on in this one. There's also a moment. Uh, my favorite Pokemon, very well represented in this movie, Ditto. Yes. Ditto rules. But the rules of Ditto are, you're like, wait, 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 like, yeah. I mean, Ditto is, a, is sort of, when they introduce Ditto in the game, you're like, wait, is this allowed? Ditto right. can just be anything? Right. I started pumping my fist at sure. the Ditto reveal, but it also was like, you need to go into the movie knowing that Ditto exists. <laughs> it, it, you have the one shot of Ditto earlier. Yes. I'm, I, this is releasing after, well after the movie. It right. yeah, it'll yeah. Come out. So don't worry about the, the, okay. I, it. still functions on a story level, but I'm saying the moment where he says it's a Ditto right. before the Ditto reveals itself, I was cheering. Yeah, he was cheering. But my mom would be like, fist. what's a Ditto? Yeah, and then I'd be like, just watch, just watch. You'll see what a Ditto is. You know, it's always a balance because when you write, I would say in general, there's a tendency in the first screenplays to mm-hmm. overexplain mm-hmm. because you are thinking about those sorts of things when you're writing it which yeah. is like well we need to explain what the ditto is mm-hmm. and we need to explain you're like what you know like who who broke ground on rhyme city you know what company did they use <laughs> yeah which construct you know so you're did they use pokemon did they use pokemon or actually yeah. uh, actually in the uh there's a little bit of the movie but there was like in the original screenplay like like girders doing a lot of uh, yeah. construction you know right, like we right. really saw yeah. like very Flintstones it was like, very Flintstones it was like what is the infrastructure how do they build you know yeah. that so you there's a tendency to go into it and then I think that when the director or, or whoever is watching the movie sometimes the things that you think are important yeah prove like not to be important As we certainly found that on the tick Yes, when, you know. I mean, I'm sure that you you probably saw some of the drafts and process. Yeah, and then when you see the finished episodes, you're like, we, we you know, just for example, like, what's the clue going to be? Is it going to be a shoe? Is it going to be a gas? Right, right. Is right. it going to be a this? Is it going to be glasses? Is it going to be, you know, a truck? Is it going to be whatever? Right. And so, and what you realize, I, I felt when I was watching the season, I was kind of like, you know what? We spent so much time picking the clue, picking this fucking clue. <laughs> yeah, and it literally did not matter. Right. Ben, ben, ben may feel differently, the, the creator of the tick, but I felt like, yeah. yes, it worked. But, but also like the, uh, the proportion of time spent to like the, the, the labor in the, you put in, in, the, in the, the, the room, the amount of time spent on that shoe. 
Right. Was no, I'm, I remember being uh, in the room, I think, when the shoe was being argued for like hours and hours, hours and days, hours. Weeks, yeah. you know? <laughs> right. And so I think sometimes when that happens, when you start to go to the edit, yeah, you start to be like, you know what? Maybe there's some people that are going to be confused by Ditto, but maybe most people are going to just be like, I don't know. It's a, uh, he shapeshifts. We get it. We know what a shapeshifter is. You know, right. Okay. Right. If so someone, it is, by the time you get to that, like people are already on board with so much craziness in right. this movie yes. that it's just like, yeah. Right. You're either you're either already well on board or it, you, we, they already lost you. And right. sort of like yeah. visually established. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so, I, you know. I, I want to make it clear. I was fully on board. No, I'm glad. Yeah. No, but it is true. You're not wrong. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of moments like that in the movie where you kind of just got to go with it. And I think that some people will be able to and some people will not. And that's maybe okay. But also for a property this big, it's not like, you know, you you can presume that a lot of the audience is going to have some base knowledge. You know, yeah. that's that's not like an insane assumption right. to be like the 151 are in the cultural vernacular yes, enough yeah. the original right. no, it's, it's yeah. someone like ditto is such a fan favorite right that yeah you you think that most people would have some idea about it. at least, at yeah. least if you're a any amount of a fan I'll, I'll tell you a thing i didn't have an idea of until i watched the movie i am sexually attracted to women with ditto eyes Oh yeah, that, I, that, did, that I did not know that was going to be Suki Waterhouse a thing. with a uh, little beady Catherine eyes. Catherine Newton. I mean, even uh-huh. uh, I, I Chris Gear. Did we see Chris Gear with a no d- he, eyes? Maybe not. No. Right? Uh, oh, actually, no. no we, we did. We did. Just for yeah, a second. Was yeah. into that. I was into any human form with I the ditto. I love that. Eyes. Yeah, um, that's a brave admission. I look. This is a brave podcast. I show. One issue. You. I think you might be in trouble. I don't think you're going to find a ditto-eyed person in the real. Oh, world. you think in the real? Hey, yeah. hey you listen, can make it happen. Look, there's right. body mods now. That's true. You know, that's true. I mean, Maybe I, like I, some if augmented reality. Like, yeah. If you pay enough, yeah, you can find it. I have a beautiful girlfriend <laughs> sure. with beautiful but, metal plated eyes named TC14. <laughs> <laughs> I got no complaints on my end. Now, in this movie, Pikachu's a detective. Right. This is an important thing that we haven't really discussed. Well, he has a hat. He has a hat. He has a little hat and he's he on the case. He likes coffee. Yes. Love he likes it. clues. Loves yeah. clues. Mm-hmm. Loves clues. Uh, he's got a thirst for solving a case, I guess. Loves it. Yep. Loves it. Um, he's voiced by Ryan Reynolds. Yep. Did you have any concept of like what kind of personality you wanted the act? Like when you're writing it? Because like, obviously you're not writing it with the knowledge that like this is a Ryan Reynolds role. Right. It was pre-Ryan Reynolds right. being involved. Um. No, I, I think this is where we were really inspired by like classic noir right. story. Mm-hmm. Like we wanted him to feel like a, you know, middle aged noir detective. Sure. Right. Right. Um, right. And that was like sort of John Polito and the Big Lebowski. Right. <laughs> that was your specific. <laughs> that was a very that was like yeah. a super deep cut. Uh-huh. Of, just, of, let's just think about him. Um no, like Fred McMurray. I don't know. Something like, right? Like some, yeah. one of those guys. One of those kind of like tall drinks of water. I have been obsessively reading Raymond Chandler. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I actually really love the original radio shows of Philip Marlowe Mysteries. Interesting. With a guy named Gerald Moore who was, it's actually quite, I, I, well, okay. It is probably not interesting, but it's very interesting to me, which is they tried to do this Philip Marlowe show with this guy Van Heflin. Um, and they did the pilot episode. Like, so they did pilots of mm-hmm. radio shows. And this, this, the, the episode is called Red Wind. And it's okay. It's fine. Yeah. It's like pretty good. Sure. It's kind of, you know, by the numbers. A few, like a year later, they were like, you know what? 
let's try this again. We're going to get this guy, Gerald Moore. We're going to do the same pilot. Wow. So you can actually do a comparison of the two pilots of the, this the exact episode. Same and it's the exact same yeah. script. It, it's maybe a little different, but okay. it's the same story. It's called Red Wind. And when you listen to the difference between these two guys, you are, it is night and day. This yeah. guy, Gerald Moore, was incredible. And so I was really, like at night, immersing myself in kind of noir, classic noir yeah. from 49, 50, uh, these books. And so when you go deep into that, or even things like the narration in Blade Runner, right. in the original cut, right. not in the, in the director's cut. Right. Not that it's, I actually prefer the director's cut, but you know, just trying to get a, a sense of these classic here, Eddie Valiant in Roger yeah. Rabbit being uh, great you know, a great example yeah, and, yes. and probably my maybe my favorite example. I of. didn't even think of Roger Rabbit. That's huge, right? Because that's also yes. a noir movie set in a completely bananas world. It's a very yes. bright right. noir movie. Yes. 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 And I yes. think that there's, and that's really interesting that, you you know, noir is sort of an attitude it is, in some right, ways. Right. And so Eddie Valiant. And, the, and there are few PG noir films, which this like proudly wears. Even yeah. Yeah. even Roger Rabbit is is a little harder edge than oh, no than, question I would say a lot harder edge no than question this. and yes. but what I think is great about first of all Bob Hoskins was like he uh, is in, so fucking dialed into that unbelievable he should have won six Oscars that year he no one gave that performance enough credit isn't it amazing time? when you look back at some of these performances that weren't lauded yeah and you're like actually the degree of difficulty in what this man was doing was impossibly hard. He was working before anyone yeah. was used to the sort of tennis ball acting yeah. too. Like he, he was working. He essentially created yeah. the process for right. an actor of doing all of that when they didn't understand what the reference points were. And like the guys who were like editing that movie would say like it was incredible. He would like look at Roger Rabbit. He would like turn around and like do some business in the office. Right. And then he would like find the exact point where Roger Rabbit would have traveled. You know, mm-hmm. independently, seems, without right. them guiding him. That right. seems insane. To yeah. Me. And by the way, Justice Smith, who is the protagonist, who's, uh, yeah. you know, very charming. He's a great movie. actor. Yeah. And he does a very, he does an amazing job of having what? chemistry with, and you know how oh, difficult it, it is. Yes. Japan. Right. Yes. You know, is he, so, is he holding like a little doll? Like, is there a thing? In, in some shots, they yeah. had like yeah. a, a doll. Yeah. But. You know, sometimes it was just a tennis, just ball, a tennis ball. Like, and right. there's someone playing the part on set or, or doing the dialogue off camera, but it isn't Ryan Reynolds. I mean, it's this weird right. thing of having to do chemistry like siloed as two mm-hmm. separate performances that have to cut together. So in so in Eddie Valiant's case, what I think is so brilliant about that movie, and it's one of my very favorite movies, is the reality in which he plays everything so straight. Yes, yeah, these right. are real. This right. is. An, Issue. A tune killed his Tunes brother. suck. Yeah. When he, he just them. goes, tunes. At the tunes. beginning, he fucking <laughs> yeah. hates tunes. Yeah. And it's what makes that whole journey so rewarding by the end when mm-hmm. he loosens up. He has one of the, in my opinion, one of the best arcs of any sort of protagonist by uh, just learning to, to learning to think like a tune, learning yeah. to like know how to relate to them. And that's sure. why one of my favorite moments in. Pikachu is the moment where Justice's character, Tim, has like a very emotional speech to a Bulbasaur. Yes. yes. And that was one of the scene. weirder things that Benji and I have ever written. Yeah. Like we're sitting there like being like, you know, I mean, we had this conversation. Where we're like, is this too weird? Sure. Is this right. insane? A, a, a full dramatic speech to a Bulbasaur <laughs> that cannot <laughs> talk. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but we just, we... We believed in it and, and and we wanted to put it in and it stayed through the end because yeah, I think it, it has that 
grounded reality to the whole thing of like, this is real. The stakes are real. Mm -hmm. Like it. And it also was like, this kid needs to learn how to communicate with these things on their own terms. And that was to me, the biggest influence from Roger Rabbit, which is, I I think that that was so ingeniously done. And we really wanted to try to similarly capture that. Now, of course in Roger Rabbit, they can talk back. Right. So it's a little bit, you know, uh, other than detective Pikachu, but you know, Yosemite saying, my biscuits are burning, yeah. you know, like that kind of, you get, you know, their personalities a little bit more, but that that was definitely intentional on our part and something that we gave a lot of thought to. And, and I was actually really pleased with the way that it came out in the movie. Well, Justice Smith, I mean, the, the thing I was very impressed with watching the performances, I feel like, and this is a, a thing that bugs me often in films like this, where someone has a tragic backstory and they kind of don't play it for 90% of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, they only play the weight of the things when it's convenient for the scene. Sure. Yeah. And they drop it whenever it gets in the way of anything else. I don't think there's a scene where you lose track of the fact that he's grieving over his father. Right. Even when it's, like, a funny scene. Yeah. I, I think he carries that. Technically, the performance is, like, insane because yes. he's acting with, like, a thousand species yes. doing insane things all the time. Um, but the other thing is, kind of like what you said, in a less tragic uh, a way or maybe a less violent way, he does have a bit of the Eddie Valiant thing because it's like he's a kid who grew up loving Pokemon. He wants to be a Pokemon trainer like most of us who grew up watching mm-hmm. or playing Pokemon. Yep. Yep. And then he sort of like fell into the like, I think I have to grow up. I have to get a job. And also, I resent the fact that my father like left me and spent all his time solving Pokemon crimes. Sure. Like, I live in the real world. That Pokemon world is some other kid business. And and someone asked us a really good question the other day when we were doing an interview. They said, did you intend for the arc of that character to sort of mirror the arc of someone who was obsessed with Pokemon? And maybe got over and it. And maybe got grew, over right? it and then yeah. came back to it. And, right. And I'd like to say that that was 100% conscious. I mean, there definitely was some of it. Sure. But I do realize now that there is a a very, you know, there is a parallel there that, yeah. that is, is I, I think that on some level that was what we were writing about, you know, that you go from, I guess this comes back to the fandom that, you know, it's like something that you just love with the intensity of a kit, right? Yeah. Like the, right. the most intense thing that you, that first blush of like, this is my thing. I'm forging my identity around this thing. This is going to be a part of me that I carry forward, even if I start to drift away from the thing itself. Right. And now we're hoping that, and what we're seeing on Twitter from people who have seen the early, you know, the early screenings yeah. is people being like, I feel like a kid again, or I, yeah, you know, or, or being yeah. like, I hope my favorite Pokemon is in the movie. And that's very rewarding. My favorite us. Pokemon is not in the movie. I'm sorry. Who's your favorite? Polyworld. Mm-hmm. It's why I would never pick Squirtle because when Bulbasaur showed up, who's a big one for me, I got uh-huh. very excited. Even though I knew he had been in the trailer, there had been Bulbasaur. I like that there were a lot of them, though. We yeah. like that. I like that it yeah. felt like, right, herds of Pokemon are rarely thought about, mm-hmm. like in the in the world. You know, it's always a very one on one kind of experience when you're playing the game. So I like that there was a herd, that there was some sort of weird unspoken Bulbasaur ritual that was sort of like happening. March that, of the Bulbasaur. Well, that's March no, that's exactly right. right, and that's my other favorite scene in the movie. Actually, yeah, is is the the build up to that the the march of the Bulbasaur is it's it's like weird. I had I, I had a similar. I recently I recently rewatched my neighbor Totoro. Sure, never gonna come up on this podcast. 
Mm-hmm. One of my very favorite movies. Right. But the reason I love it so much is that it is so unexplained. Yes. It no is logic so is ever dealt into. There is no logic to it's it. It's a sort of child's eye view it the just, whole time. It just is. Yeah. It right. just is. If you walk into the right forest on the right day with the right attitude, you might get a Totoro of your own. Right. Just be your, your protector. Oh, I want a Bulbasaur of my own. Well, that's how I, and that was exactly the of one's spe- own. that a Bulbasaur <laughs> of one's own. But Griffin immediately leaned over to me and said, like, oh, you like Bulbasaur? And I was like, I usually pick Bulbasaur. Yeah. Uh, I never pick Squirtle because I don't, gonna, I don't want to get locked into my water. See, I was a Charmander mm-hmm. guy. Charmander's good I too. I the orange as a kid. Charmander <laughs> is a is a tough challenge in the first game. He's the hardest Pokemon. Sure. Like he he sucks against the first two gyms. Yeah. He's gonna turn into the right. best. Yeah. Well, I love right. a good underdog narrative. Right. Right. Whereas Bulbasaur right. is the easiest. Yeah. Um, but I just like because he's you know he's just cool. He's so, weird. He's got a flower he's on his back. He's cute. He's, he's the cutest. So he, when, is, he is the cutest. So when we were writing that scene, we wanted a similar. And I think r- the director and and the DP, everyone did an mm. amazing job of capturing this. But it was on the page because it was something that we really felt passionately about, which sure. is we wanted to capture this sense of like, if you walked into the right grove and maybe you'd see a herd of Bulbasaurs. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe your life would be completely different and better. Do you guys ever play Pokemon Snap? No. That game is that very much like, it's one. very like herdy. It's, you know, it's like that, it's that idea. Yeah. 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 yeah nature yeah. photography. You're seeing, yeah. 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 Very uh, weird idea for a game. Whoever came up with that. There's that thing I love too, where it's just like once again, not talking any shit about another video game adaptation that might have had a recently poorly received trailer. Right, that might be about like a fast being of you some keep sort who likes like I just round don't know what gold. I mean, as non-specific as possible. Um, all of these characters look exactly like the original designs. The yeah. only sort of filter they've been put through is make them tactile. And I like that it's just like, you know what? If you're going to see a Pokemon movie, you have to accept that some of them have flowers on their back. Some of them are ghosts. Yes. Some of them are yes. made of rock. Right. It is wild like Some of them are organic. Some of them are mechanical. Like, <laughs> it's wild that Cubone wears his mother's skull. And you That's just weird. call it out. Like, it's just <laughs> right. like, this is the world you're living in, baby. So now they just, they got scales and they got fur. No, the weirdest thing to think about is like, none of the Pokemon technically have clothes so like right. Right. Mr. Pikachu no well, Mr. Mime yes that's that's organic. yeah he's organic. just yes. yes like that's you know snubbles colors snubbles skirt is just like a skin flap right right uh, <laughs> there's that true. weird thing where you're like like seeing Mr. Mime as a kid it was like oh those things on the side of his head are meant to represent like clown hair and mm-hmm. it's just not detailed and then you watch it in the movie and you're like Oh, they're like weird, like vestigial, like they're like his ears. Right. Like they're not hair. They're like these blue sacks of flesh. And as you say, Pikachu has (laughs) these two red dots on his face. Right. Yeah. And uh, he's just got some red dots. You just gotta accept it. Yeah. You don't go like, well, but if he runs fast, he must have the body of Usain Bolt. So we need to give him a very realistic human muscle. Because look at this: the Ken Sugimori illustration of Bulbasaur. Right. Like Mm -hmm. Ken, you know, the designer of the game. What's uh, I need to remember his name? Uh, Satoshi Tajiri. And this guy like sat down, and they would go to zoos, and they would like draw little animals. Like, and he that drawing looks exactly the same as Bulbasaur does in this movie. Like nothing has been changed. No. No, no, and I and that was a that was a big goal of them of like keeping the same silhouettes. Yeah, and it's really just some of the textures. It's the textures, right? It really is, and that that makes them feel so like. uh, Yeah, there's there's no need to reinvent the wheel. No, Uh, Psyduck, I was very happy with because I feel like that that was like a moment where it's just like these guys get it because like you saying like we wanted Psyduck to be the breakout character. 
I feel like if you grew up with Pokemon, you're like, yeah, of course. Well, obviously. Psyduck's awesome. Who else would be the option? Like, of course Psyduck is your scene stealer. Well, uh, I mean, he's the Pokemon that has a built-in attitude and yes. character. Right. Right. He, right. And, he comes and, with the personality. And so, right. the, you know, when there's a personality that's already, like, half our work was already done with him. Uh, so we were like, that. yeah, we have to have And him. he's got right. the great Chekhov's gun quality of just constantly teasing out, like, don't make him nervous. Right. Don't him stress him out. Right. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, some people at first were very surprised that Mr. Mime was such a big part of the thing. But it's a similar reason. It's because... Story gift. There, it's This is a person with a comedic point. This is right. a right. Pokemon with a comedic point of view. Yeah. It has right. a comedic game that you can play and take advantage of. And as writers, you're, you're really looking for not only who are the coolest Pokemon, but which are the ones that you can infuse some personality to or some specific personality because, you know, there's many Mr. Mimes in the world, right. but this one is a dick. Right, right, so, right. <laughs> And that's, that's funny. But also that thing of, like, none of them can talk, but this one can communicate. Yes. Like, right. Mr. Yeah. Mime has a baked-in language. Yes. Um, so, was the father thing in place from the moment that you guys came on? Was that part of sort of the original inception of the thing? Yeah, I mean, that goes back to the game itself. Okay, okay, yeah. so the game also has that kind of, like, that twist. That we're that's looking for talk. the kid's dad. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. Yes, and I think that, if I recall correctly, the first Detective Pikachu game actually doesn't resolve that storyline. Oh, my God. It's a saga. Well, it's, 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 well, it's part the, the one. one that we got, the, the original Japanese one was only the first few chapters of the game. Sure. So there was no resolution to the story. I think yeah. in the one that came out uh, here, here, it's a more recent. It it's a, more, yeah, it's right. a little, but even then... It doesn't fully spell it out the yeah. way we do. Sure. So there um, was an element of like, okay, we have to try to make this a feel earned yeah. as much as possible. Right. We tried to write emotionally, and I know the other people involved in the movie did as well. And 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 you know, that was something that it was it was challenging to strike the right balance because mm-hmm. you don't want it to be maudlin, but you also want to deal I hope earnestly with with loss and grief and and give, you know, justice something to play. Right. Which he did incredible. I, I think he did an amazing job of doing that. And, yeah, I agree. You know, so how do you do that as a writer? You know, I, I've, for me, my parent. You know, and I have a great relationship with my parents. But my parents got divorced when I was very young, and I remember those feelings of loss and mm-hmm. grief. And sure. It's not the same as a parent dying. Yeah. But you try to say, okay. You pull from something. There's an emotional reality right. yeah. to that. And can we infuse some of that into this crazy movie? That also has to, to be a do. movie yeah. for kids. You have yes. that challenge, too. Yes. You can't make it too visceral. or But, yes. you know, you yeah. want to skirt that edge. Not not as like a, a back patty thing. But uh, uh, since season two came out, I've seen so many people responding to the, the Danger Boat episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just being like, how episode. did they commit this hard into doing this emotional a scene with a robot boat? And the answer is... And neither of us were in communication about this. And I didn't piece it together until months later. But as you guys know from being in the room, uh, uh, Susan Hurwitz-Aronson, one of the main writers on the show, who's an incredible person, her best friend died like very shortly before writing the season. Yes, yeah. right. And she wrote the Danger Boat episode funneling all of her emotions into that, that sort of sense of loss. Right. And I, like a month before we started filming, uh, uh, one of uh, someone very close in my life uh, got diagnosed with a very serious illness, and they're a hundred percent fine now. That's good. But I showed up on set not knowing that she had written it based off of yeah. something real, 
playing that scene as if I was you talking. You took your thing. Mm. Right. And she right. took her thing, and we never communicate with each other. Right. And we have this scene where people are like, why does this scene make me cry? This is stupid. But also, if you're going <laughs> to write these things or you're going to act these things, like, why show up if you're not going to give your all against a Bulbasaur? Well, that's exactly If you're not going to write based off of your, your divorce from your childhood. You just put yeah. your finger exactly on the most important thing. First of all, Susan is a brilliant writer and did an incredible job. Is the job. best. But, and a great person. You know, what was interesting is that she was actually supposed to write the second episode of the season. Which you guys ended up, writing. ended up writing. Right. And the first sort of Aegis Not, not, to, not to say yeah. that, like, obviously, I'm sorry that her friend passed away. That was a horrible right. thing. But the way that it fell... She was able to. It was sincere. I think it's the best episode right. of probably of the season. I, I, mean, I think it's a great. Yeah, it's among. Yeah. If not the it's best, pr- I it think it's the best among. One. I think it's the best. I mean, it's it really the best one. The is, lobster episode is really good. I, mean, I like that one, and I like the, the lobsters the are casino I mean, one. I like. The I actually, yeah, like all of them. It's a good season. It's actually a pretty good season. All I'm saying is, you know, Dan and Benji came on board, and you know, season two bump. Season two bump. But, but, but. Yes, she gave it everything. Yeah, and she and 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 the way that you acted that that scene was like, okay, yes, it's a boat, right? <laughs> but, right. But we're gonna take this so fucking seriously; it's gonna break your heart. Right. I showed up on set and I didn't tell anyone this because I thought it was daunting. But I was like, okay, cool. From the moment I read this script, I went, "This is the day where I'm gonna funnel in all my anxiety about me uh, losing the person I love." Right. Yeah. Now. No. Of course, like that, this right. person might die. And, and that's exa- and and I right. think that that comes through and. So that's the kind of seriousness and kind of going back to the beginning of our conversation is like, if you're going to write a Pokemon movie, write a fucking Pokemon movie. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't, don't think pull you're too your punches. Cool don't think it. you're too cool right. for it. Don't be disdainful of it. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying anyone was that. I'm yeah. just saying, you know, that was how like that caring too much thing. Right. Was like, okay, yes, I'm going to care too much about this right now. And Benji felt the same way. and. Sure uh, Benji was okay. He was like, <laughs> uh, he was like giving him checks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I just wanted as much money as possible. Yeah. Right. And for the check to save the Pokemon company. That's right. right. Yes. That's right. right. So I, I don't know. I, I think that, that the enthusiasm gap is, or the versatility gap yeah. is, is sometimes like very apparent. Right. When you see things that maybe people didn't believe in that much. And I really hope that people like the movie and respond to it and aren't listening to this being like, yeah, movie fucking suck. But, I th- I th- but I think will. that they will. Yeah, yeah I, I think do they will. I do think there's a generational thing. And for people like me who were, I was how old? Like 11 years old when yeah. the video game came out. And so I've sort of been steeped in it. Like, like I am so happy to see a movie like this. Maybe right. if you're a little older, you're like, that thing always passed me by. And this just, I don't get it. Yeah, right? right. You know, I can see that happening. No, there are, there are some uh, critics that I've seen on Twitter or whatever that have been like, don't get you know, I, I. I went in thinking Pokemon were stupid and I still think they're stupid. Right. It's like, it's like, why did you okay. go see it? Right. 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 Like, why were right. you the critic that thought, right. like, I'm going to go see this thing if you already hate Pokemon? Yeah. And I've like, seen, like, a lot of video game critics. And, of course, yes, the video game movie, as we've discussed, is, yeah. this, is like, rife with, like, bombs and sort of missed right. opportunities or, like, a studio being, like, can it on all the nerd shit, okay? Yeah, like, right, whatever. Right. Just John Cove Van Damme can be guile. That'll be fine, right? <laughs> um, you know he wrote that script in one day? Really? Stephen D'Souza? Is that yeah. one yeah. day? That's that's when, actually impressive. When you, yeah. when you <laughs> watch movie that movie good. through right. the filter right. of right. he had one day, yeah. it's actually an incredible accomplishment. Like, yeah. Was it a thing where they just cast everyone, they built the sets, and they were like, fuck, we forgot. We forgot <laughs> I, I, I am shit. not sure. That right. I, I, Call I, time is 6 a.m. tomorrow. I went deep on this once. I think it's all on Wikipedia, but someone was also telling me about it, but it was like it really was a situation where they're like, 
we don't and we don't have a script. And it's not like Street Fighter is like, well, you just draw right from the video game. The right, plot's very right, easy. It's like, right. uh, well, there's these street fights. Um, yeah. And Bison. Yeah. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I, I, you ready? So what you're talking about, and I, I mean, I'm just saying, video game fans seem to be responding very positively. They are. What I was seeing, like yes. on sites like Kotaku, Polygon. Well, it's also, it's like of, an emotional know. story based off a video game world, whereas most video game movies, the problem they get into is like, it's an action movie. And if you're watching the action scenes, you'd rather be home playing them. Well, that's the thing. Sure. It's like I think right. the, this sort of, the, you know, the video game movie curse that people yeah. mm-hmm. refer to. You know, there is a thing where, uh, unlike other IPs like comic books or books or anything like that, a video game, people are used to controlling it, like right. being right. in that's control. The they don't want to number of like it's, it's like, their yeah. story. They don't just want to watch action that they're not. Playing. Right, right. Like, what's the? It's, it becomes instantly less fun, like watching Assassin's Creed happen. Then wait, wait well, a second. Oh no, you're gonna get last week's up. episode. No, no, no last favorite week's, movie. But a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that movie's good. <laughs> but is it more fun to play Assassin's Creed? He's never played. That's why he likes how strong your opinion. I think you would love to play it even more. I'm. I mean, I like. Assassins. That's why I pick. You the love Creeds, right? He loves I'm all about. We creeds. know about that. Yeah, gotta get that apple. Gotta get that apple. I you do gotta get that too. apple. So, all right, I'll I'll try the game out. You gotta try it. But but, but that is. But right. yeah, yes. but when we're doing Detective Pikachu, yeah, we're telling a different type of story. It's a very intimate, think, specific, yeah. emotional story. You're not trying to capture the whole world. You're not doing the battles, which probably you know we have the one battles, right? You, know? right. you, yeah, gotta, right. you yeah. gotta give people a little right. bit of yeah. what they want. Yeah. You yeah. have a cool Magikarp evolving. Oh, that scene. Was so you know, you've got like stuff like that. That, that's yeah. like that was something, classic stuff. That was some uh, an idea that we had very early on. Sure, that right. we really wanted. That's got to be in there. Right. Well, we wanted to show that there, you know. Physicalize that evolution, right. and yeah. it's like this useless thing right. that now is not so useless. But I'm interested in your guys' opinion about the video game curse because it wasn't something that I was thinking about when we were writing this movie, sure. really, really at all. Because especially, well, you got Pokemon, you've already, you've already got the anime, and the, you know, you you have a little more than video games to draw. From, there's I so guess. much, and right. there's so many different games. It's been filtered through so many different lenses. I do sort of want, you know, I've seen a few reviews. Like, uh, you know, you're right. The game media has been so positive. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the more, tra- you know, some of the more traditional critics based on video games. Here we go. Go ahead. Yes, yeah, I would love to hear that list. Yeah, which yeah, yeah. I've been like, it's a, it's pretty good. Does it break the video game curse? I don't think so, my friends. And I sort of am like, well, what is the like, like weirdly, like every time one of these movies comes out, it seems like the bar is impossibly high. Yeah, in a weird way, and and I, I, I mean, I hope that someone writes the Godfather of. Of Amen. video games and it wins Oscars. Shenmue wins best it. picture yeah. in like 2023. But it is kind of a, a weird, I don't know, it's sort of a weird, I don't want to say fake, but it's like, it's like it's a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy maybe. There is a little yeah. bit sure. of like, it's like a, it's like a carrot that some people are dangling. Yeah. It's like, did you break it? I don't think so. But I, I think Benji's on to the right thing, which it is like it it speaks to the weird relationship people have to these things. And sometimes you have something like Street Fighter where you're like, wow, this is an exciting world. Look at these characters. What weird locations. There's no real story to go off of here. Right, so if Stephen D- right. D'Souza is writing the script in one day, even if that's impressive for a one day script, impressive, honestly. it's hard the to like speech? make the thing out of whole cloth. <laughs> they wrote the King's Speech in one day. Did you know that? <laughs> no. <laughs> what if that's, it turns out every movie was yeah, every, every good screen? Can we hear the list? Can we hear the list? Of, yeah. All right. Well, so here are some. Here are some 
some video games. So you've got your they've they've taken a few cracks at Mortal Kombat. I'm right? going to tell you which ones that I think are good. Okay. Do you want me to go chronologically or yes. by Okay. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Okay, okay. So the and first Benji, you, agreed you upon video game movie really ever is Kramer Super versus Mario Kramer. Brothers. Oh, okay. Uh Super Mario Brothers. I think that movie that movie is crazy. Is crazy, crazy. but crazy. I like it. Um, and I liked it at the time. David I, wrote a big piece defending it. So, yeah, I on its, its anniversary. I don't know if I want to say it is a good movie, but it is a captivating and like provocative movie. And it has these insane sets. Yeah, they and, made, like, they it's made very practical. They made strong choices. Really uh, strong it choices. It is an absolutely <laughs> bizarre perversion of yeah. like a platform game about a little man who's running around. But like, you got to do something the, with the, that. The Yoshi it, model is super cute yep. in yeah. that movie. The Dennis idea Hopper is Donald Trump dialed in. Donald Trump. Yeah. Trump Koopa. And Trump Koopa. And it's such movie. a perfect yeah. snapshot of the 90s. Oh, the that, early 90s yeah. aesthetic where they're like, yeah, no, no, no. Guck it up, guys. Yeah, we want right. goo everywhere. <laughs> the idea of how the mushrooms function sort of realistically. Sure. In quotes, oh, yeah. like, and of course, Hoskins, who we've already been and praising. Who's, who's, yeah. And John yeah. Leguizamo, who is one of my, I, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, when yeah. he's dialed in, he is I love Leguizamo. Awesome. Love, love, love. They're an odd sibling pair, but I love I think that movie has actually weirdly aged well. I, th- I, I think so. In a, in a weird I way. Think so what's too. what's that? All right. So we, then we have Street Fighter. Not not a great movie. Never seen it. But, no. but a great one day. But a great. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, in yeah. the annals as, of screenwriting, twenty four hour film festival. Right. In the annals yeah. of screenwriting right. history, I would rank that. Yeah, one of the best twenty four hour right. film festival. <laughs> and then yeah. Paul, like, Paul W S Anderson enters the game right. with the two Mortal Kombat movies, which uh, I I haven't seen the second one. I barely remember the. I first saw the one. second one in theaters. Annihilation, and, and I it believe. and it was one of the more disappointing. I made my dad go. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. And my dad. I'm skipping a few of the little. But once ones again, that's like a fight. Game. I mean, you fall into this thing where it's like if fighting the game games is, are hard. No, because you'd rather just be doing the fights that yourself. Is, yeah. I have yeah. to say, at the time, they do have strong characters. They've I, got these they very have great dynamics. Characters. Yeah, yeah. Right. Mortal Kombat. Great characters in yeah. Mortal Kombat. And I have to say, I, I actually really loved the first Mortal Kombat movie. Right, the, the Paul time. W. Sanderson one because it did have sort of that '90s like techno, techno, techno. Totally. You know, like yeah. there is a vibe in that movie that is specific to like not even just like a decade, but like a few years within the decade. Yes. Right. And I think that's kind of cool. All right. So we, we're going to keep going. Uh, we've got, uh, well, then we have Lara Croft Tomb Raider, uh, which is not so good, uh, which is sort of like grafting, like, I don't know, Indiana Jonesy kind yeah, of. Yeah, but I feel like, like that's an example of just that movie not working. I don't think any of the problems in that movie are connected to the fact that it's based off of a video not game. Not at all. I mean, they just watched, they looked at the video game and they were like, this is Indiana Jonesy, right? Like, right. And she's a lady. I like, just think it's kind of a are crummy we done? movie. But yeah. the Vikander movie, I like a lot. I actually liked yeah. that one. We all mm-hmm. pretty yeah. well are pretty too. fond of that and one. So I, it does seem to be just maybe the first Lara Croft wasn't. I, yeah. I, I remember seeing it as a, you know, at the time, and be like, it was okay. Then there's the Resident Evil series, which is the sort of agreed on, I I, I think, masterpiece of video game cinema, right? Of like, I there's mean, six of them. Yeah. They go in all kinds of insane directions. Yeah. They so I'm very much fond of them. Their own thing. They're right. their own they thing. They are separate from the video. Game, they right? will like, sort of have like characters who are like kind of nodding right. to the game, but yeah. like they're they're a whole and they really like the Mila Jovovich show, and she's sort right. of the queen of like video yeah. game movies. I sort of appreciate their commitment. They're good. to being super crazy. They're yeah, crazy. I mean, they're they're by the time they're in the fifth movies. one, they're really like they're like if you're still watching these, then yeah. we're just gonna it, fuck it's, around. It's similar yeah. to in a way watching like. I know Benji's a kind of the Saw 
Yes, yeah, yeah. Like the lore goes so deep. Yeah, once right. you get to Saw, you know, five, six, seven, <laughs> yeah. like it's and Saw's been dead for four movies. No, I mean yeah. there's. I think it was Saw five or six, where there was a flashback within a flashback within a <laughs> <Yes>. flashback. <laughs> yes, and it's just like okay, yeah. I'm on board. And so like I don't watch it for like like I don't the torture stuff, whatever. Yeah, sure, yeah. but sure, just sure. in terms of like insane storytelling yeah. of like flashing back to you thought you knew what happened this time but actually this happened nope actually this third thing was happening it's like yeah okay like but, that's great. but the Resident <laughs> Evil movies function in that way and I think if they were more literal adaptations of the games they might have had a harder time working alright then it gets really dire because you have you crap like Alone in the Dark you have mm-hmm. Doom which is just sort of like yeah this is the worst foul. well this is right <laughs> you know Bowl I mean? is Dr. adapting Uwe all these Bowl. things like yeah. Silent Hill which is kind of like one of the great video games as art series yeah. Yeah. like they kind of take a crack at it and it's sort of like visually interesting but like meh right like right. you know they, it's all visual it's, yeah, they take Pyramid Head, like who is such a dynamic and crazy character, and he's just like a big guy with a knife. <laughs> but can I <laughs> Which, hypothesize like, I mean, as we're going through this list? Hitman. I feel like perhaps the problem with a lot of these movies is the exact thing we've been talking about: is hiring writers who kind of have disdain for the thing they're no, adapting. No, for sure, Max and Payne. I'm, I'm is not another saying one, any of these know. people specifically, or the directors, or you know, maybe it's the actors, whoever it is. But a lot of these franchises feel like either when Resident Evil works, it's like we're going to make our own thing out of this. And the right. ones that don't work okay. feel like no, the it, people it, involved maybe think they're kind of slumming it. it. And it may be that the things are getting better just because like the generation of people that actually, actually grew up, up with stuff. video right. games is now the age of people that are writing movies yeah. like us. Right. Uh, right. No, and, that right, right. The generation and, is caught up. And right. by the way, I'm sure that people work very hard on this. No, movies, I know. So yeah, I, I know. And there's anyway. things to like. Yeah. In but any like movie. Max Payne is a great example sure. of where it's like Love that game. What do people like about Max Payne? Let's not do that. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Because I played all those games and I love those games. Those games right. are so and, good. Especially the second one is incredible. The second one is a masterpiece. It is. Right. It really of, is. Of, of actually like noir. It's a well-told story. Right. story it's telling. completely great. And so they were like, well, let's not do that. Yeah. And, right. no, and no, that thank to you. me is sort of like... a bewildering, weird choice. And And so, yeah, I think, you know, maybe we're, you know, tapping into something. But no, but then I, there's this final phase I want to get to, which is Warcraft, Assassin's Creed, mm-hmm. Tomb Raider, Ben's which, are, <laughs> which are movies that are not well received and yeah. often don't like, you know, Warcraft was kind of a bomb, although it did really well overseas. Yeah. But those are movies who are written by people who like those, yes. movies, those right. games yes. and are kind of like so deep on the lore. Like yeah. Warcraft yeah. is impenetrable right. if you haven't like played I Warcraft. I had no idea what I was watching. Right. And, yeah. And, yeah. and it's sort of throwing you in the deep end and yeah, the reaction was kind of bafflement, but like at so the, that's at the sort end of, of Warcraft. I saw with my big uh, uh, World of Warcraft uh, friend, and at the end of the movie, when the baby comes out, he was like, "That's the lead character," and I was like, "What do you mean that's the lead? <laughs> what? Right? What it turns out it's watching? kind of like a prequel to the game. Yeah, and he's like, like, that's the actual lead character. Yeah, what? Right. I, I do. What's your about his dad? And so now we've got like we've got Detective Pikachu. We've got. Uh, an unnamed fast rodent. I don't film. know what you're talking I, I, you about. Know, it's a, it's a speedy, speedy the oh. animal. Yeah. Um, you've got a Minecraft movie. When's that happening? They keep on announcing that keeps being on the schedule. Well, and push. Minecraft yeah. is another one that I, I think is very daunting to think about. Well, because Minecraft is plotless. Like, right. yeah. So, but I'm gonna I'm, make a movie out of that. Like, like it's like the the old like PC game. 
Where it's, it's not like, old. It's not that like old. Quadrant, like the grid, and you push the little boxes. You're thinking of Minesweeper. <laughs> <Are you laughs> <thinking about, laughs> they're not making a Minesweeper. They movie. could make a Minesweeper. Benji and I just signed on to Minesweeper. Chips Challenge? Oh, there's, 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 there's a plot yeah. in, okay. in Sweeping for Mines. Wasn't your, mine. yeah. your dad like the world's foremost Minesweeper? He's, he's up there. He's up there. <laughs> really? He's, he, he can, he play can experts, do expert like, in like no seven seconds or something. So, but what I'm here, what I'm int- what I'm thinking about as you're saying this, and and I think maybe this is an advantage that that Pokemon has. Mm-hmm. We're talking about movies about adventurers. Mm-hmm. We're talking about movies about assassins. Yep. Yep. We're talking about movies about fantasy world that, while it is its own thing, is not unprecedented in the sense of we are familiar with Lord of the Rings, we're familiar with orcs and warriors. And, sure. things and, and these things that are, and this is a lethal combination, often largely plotless and very lore heavy. It's very hard to write a script where there's a ton of backstory, right. but the plotting itself is just kind of like, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. So it, it kind of is interesting that the ones that we kind of were gravitating towards are Mario's very weird and very unique. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mortal Kombat very specific to that very thing. of its era. And it's and it's yeah. very of its era, but not unprecedented in like the fighting tournament mm-hmm. sense of things. But you know, the way that Scorpion is integrated in that movie is like very cool and and it's different. And it's not something you've seen a million times. So maybe there is something to embracing like the weirdness or the uniqueness of whatever that property is right. and just saying, yeah. like, yeah, this is the fucking weird thing that we're doing. Right. Instead 100%. of turning it into a generic copy of Whatever movie, whatever is action movie is hot yeah. that year, or yes, doing a right. movie that takes place in Wyoming and apparently, or, or seemingly from the trailers, only in the last scene probably yeah. has the characters looking the way you remember them looking. Are in you a talking world. about like a movie about like a quick? Fuck, I'm out of cinema. <laughs> <laughs> quick, no, I, spiny, egg laying mammal. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. But I also feel like, uh, yes, I don't want to make it sound like I'm putting the blame for those earlier movies just at like, oh, this screenwriter was a hack or this or that. But you also have examples where maybe like the writer cares a lot about it and the director cares a lot about it. And then a big movie star signs on and they're like, I don't want to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Or it's the director who doesn't care when the other two people did or whatever it is. But also very often, I think we're living in a world where they understand the value of, for, for better or worse, studios now understand the value of the IP is the IP. You don't strip mine it mm-hmm. and find a way to get as little of the IP in the movie as possible and then make the rest of the film catering to what you think mall goers want to see. If you're making a movie off a thing, you want to make the best movie of that thing and represent everything that people like about that thing. Well, that's that did go back to what we were talking about at the beginning. I think, you know, the fandom becoming the mainstream right. has made it so that's the case. It's like right. we're not trying to appeal to, you know, Random yeah, people, Joe, right? You know, Joe, whatever. Right. Like, right. Like the most vocal people and the people still going to the movie theater, right? Are the fans that there, want? There's see the this confidence stuff. of yeah. knowing we can write a movie for the hardcore fans, and if only the hardcore fans see it, that's enough to make the movie a big hit, right? And you know, you obviously want to write a movie that anyone could sit down and enjoy. Yeah, you want to write the movie. I mean, like. You want something that anyone can enjoy, but you also want the people who want the movie to work the we, most to be able to enjoy it. We yes. did not yeah. sit down writing Detective Pikachu saying, this is a movie that every single person is going to like. <laughs> right, well, right. That like, is we definitely true. We weren't trying to yeah. make a movie to try and cater to every person. Every quadrant. Right. right. Like, yes. We we wanted to make something that the fans would love yeah. and that could also bring in some new fans that didn't realize that they loved Pokemon. 
I forgot about Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. So Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within is a very weird one, right? And it's also kind of its own thing. It's its own thing. Yeah, it's right. I I didn't like, I don't think it's like a great movie. No. But it, it, it's trying some things. It's trying. And it's, it's definitely, I mean, it's extremely, you know, JRPG in its story and its thing. So like Final Fantasy is a great example of, could they make a good movie of Final Fantasy VII? Maybe. Sure. It, I mean, Some I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But that's another. That's one where, like, if someone gave us that challenge, I would be like, okay, right. This There's is something stuff. that I really yeah. love. It's also one of those things where a studio is going to have to be like, sure, take a huge budget. Like, it's not going right. to be something you're going right. to do like for nothing. Yeah. You know. So I, I think that when we set out to write the movie, even when we were talking to each other, we were like, is anyone going to like this? And we were kind of going. I think so, but maybe not. Right. But maybe that's okay because we're going to try to tell the best version of this story that we possibly can. Sure. And, you know, that's why I feel ultimately like, you know, I hope that it's a big hit and I hope that, you know, it gets pretty favorable reviews. But if it doesn't, like, yeah, you know, oh, I remember what I was going to say is I had a professor in college who was a theater professor and was it Pikachu? It was Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Pikachu. His, his name is Spencer Golub. He was the head of the theater department at Brown. And he did an example one day of like... He Spencer sat, Polywog. Spencer Polywog. He sat on like a cube, just like a regular cube. Sure. And, you know, it was like he was sitting on it. And then like he was like, everyone turn around. And he like did something to the cube. He couldn't tell. And he sat on it. But there was something like appreciably different about mm-hmm. the way that he was sitting on this cube. Okay. And it turned out that there was a hole in the middle of the of the cube that was making his sitting experience like uncomfortable. We could not see this hole, right? but we could tell that something had changed. Mm -hmm. And I think that screenwriting is when you actually give a shit about the subject matter and you're sort of thinking about things like, okay, well we want to reference total recall and we want to put Roger rabbit into it. And the third man and these Raymond Chandler stories. Like, I hope that like secretly embedded in this movie. Right. You feel that. Like, stuff. even if the yeah. audience has no idea, never listened to this podcast, doesn't know anything about what we did or why, that there is some sense of like, they seem to have an idea. They seem to be like confident about whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish. 100%. And yeah. I think that the movie does accomplish yeah. that. And I, I'm proud of that, I guess. So here's the big question. And I don't know how much you guys can comment on this or not. Okay. David has one big takeaway at the end of the movie. I know. He turns mm-hmm. to me and he goes, I'm worried. Yeah. I did say this. Detective Pikachu's a star. I was like, you guys got rid of Detective Pikachu. And the, like... I mean, spoilers, the movie kind of takes him off the board I mean, this, Again, this is coming out a, a couple weeks after the movie's come yeah. out. So, you know, if you... But yeah. Uh, he's so good that I was almost like, don't, don't, don't take him away. No, don't don't separate him. One of those things where him. like emotionally, narratively, of Have course it. it's the point you get to. Right. But was there any fear when you guys like, were writing mis- that? Or you know, if I'm one of yeah. the Warner brothers, I'm like, wait a second, wait a second, wait, 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 wait hold up, hold up. Yeah. What about when the teacher talks in the Ryan Reynolds voice though? We he can't lose the that. coffee. Yeah. So <laughs> at the, I don't think it's talking out of school to say at the script stage or at the planning stage, mm-hmm. there was talk and, and sure. debate about that is this exact issue. Yeah. And I think that what was ultimately decided upon correctly was let's tell the best story that we can tell for this movie. And if you want to bring it back, you can figure it out later. There is a future movie. That's a problem that will be dealt with. Right. Hopefully in a really cool, creative way. That seems like the the right answer to me. Right. Because it, it, it wasn't, you know, it, it, 
there were there were a couple of de- things debated. Well, could we do this? Could mm-hmm. we do that? Do we preserve it in this way or that way? But ultimately, it was like, no, let's just tell this story. Let's make it a completed thought. I mean, which is much better than the opposite franchisey thing where you're like, the movie ends kind of unsatisfyingly and someone leans over and is like, well, they've already like signed the contract for this spinoff, right, so right. like that's why it's doing that. And you're like, oh, or my friend okay. leans over and goes, "That baby's the lead," <laughs> <laughs> like that shit. Right, right. Which I'd much rather see a film that completes right. its own thought, mm. and it does also in an interesting way kind of set the stage where it's like, I know, I know, they announced that someone's writing a Detective uh, Pikachu direct sequel, but there are also people I think writing other live action Pokemon movies that they're incubating a bunch right now. Sure. But I Much like Togepi was incubated. You know, right. Like, yes. right. Yes. I do the like... proverbial Togepi. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of Togepis, you know, humming right now. I like the idea that this, like, world set up and the franchise could just be what are other stories in the Pokemon universe. Like, what way they end up going, who knows. But I do like the promise of just, like... And the next film could be, like, a fucking, like, legal thriller. Yeah. And right. the next film could be, like, a trainer. Like, it could be Karate Kid, yeah. the Pokemon. No, and that's I heard we, Professor Pikachu. I mean, if we, we wanted yeah. to make it clear that, like, Rhyme City is still connected to the rest of the Pokemon Big universe. Yep. The, yeah, other, you shout out the other regions and, exist. Yeah. Like that, right? uh, and so it's all, it's all out there and is a fertile, you know, yeah. ground for whatever story might come. <laughs> David Hell yeah. Table. So don't yeah. worry, David. It's going to be okay. 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 I'm okay. Just, I just really connected to Detective Pikachu. We've got our Pikachu. top people working on this, even as we speak. All right, Ben, you have something you want to say, I think. I think uh, we're, we're basically done here. Yeah, but, uh, Detective Pikachu. Ben. Ben's been writing. Fart Detective Ben is on the case. Okay. Uh, I got some of my favorite parts from the movie. Okay, so mm-hmm. you've now you surmised what you think happens in the movie from us talking about the process of writing the movie. So my favorite Pokemon the mudical it's a frozen mud spike i really love that moment mm-hmm. when it came mm-hmm. uh into the bar they were at yeah. uh-huh. and he was vaping hard there are a lot of those in jersey right i feel like yeah, yeah. mudical doesn't sound that far off no, from a sounds, real one I like it's on the cutting like, room floor but yeah. my favorite pokemon by far is the burning tire pokemon scorch <laughs> sure also sure. not that far also off. No. like these all yeah. could be because yeah. there was that <laughs> moment like three generations in where they were like any man-made object could be a Pokemon, yeah. right? Like Gar- they start Garbador, like, yes, exactly. garbage bag, yes. key. Oh, Garbador was one where I really wanted in the that would have yeah. been that cool. would be Garbador, He's a very urban Pokemon. Garbador yeah. was yeah. in our early drafts, sure. and I think maybe I think it was it maybe too crazy. too weird or something. But and then in a classic noir setting, I was excited to see in the movie was the Quicksand Factory, of course, <laughs> right? Any any good blockbuster needs a sure. Quicksand Factory. Where they what make, if you call and fall in the quicksand? The quicksand a lot of tension. Ma- no, not what if you fall. I mean, it's what if you make it? I guess it's both. All right. What else? Uh, it was kind of weird to see Kirby driving a blimp. Yes, that was a weird. Right. Uh, yeah. Kirby's a Nintendo. Yeah, he's not a Pokemon Kirby? character. Yeah. Oh, he's not. Okay. Or, or do you mean like Kirby Puckett or something? <laughs> no, I, I thought Kirby was a Pokemon. Yeah, no, he's in that. He's got Bruno that. Kirby. <laughs> and then, of course, the ending, which was so crazy, it was Deadpool the whole time. It was right. Deadpool, yeah, of course. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So twisted. The movie came out of Deadpool's oh, brain. Crazy. Anyway, I loved it. Well, I mean, that's that's a strong <laughs> I mean, review. Isn't isn't that? The, can you go any higher than that? You can't. That's Just probably the greatest. <laughs> hit, hit publish on Rotten Tomatoes right now. I mean, now. you yeah. saying some of these people? Why would you even see this movie? It's not for you. Yeah. Is there ever been a review that is, so coming from someone more clearly on your side, getting exactly what you were going for in the movie? Ben's flashing a peace sign. Loved it. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, yeah, we're done, right? 
Yeah, yeah I think we're done. Do you guys game. have any like uh, uh, final thoughts? Is there anything you want to share? As you, we we wish people a happy uh, Detective Pikachu. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say I'm working on a noir script. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's called Night Eggs. Called Night Eggs. Okay. okay. Uh, it's about a detective who uh, eats breakfast at night. This is not a joke. He uh, established okay. this about 18 months ago. Right. He has oh. truly right. been working on In this it. script. And the villains are witch hackers. Uh-huh. Right. Who do they, practice witchery. Did they use their witchcraft to, ha- to, use, to hack question. or did they great use their question. hacking to access witchcraft? Kind of both. Oh, great. That's great always answer. the answer. <laughs> what you want. Great, great, answer. Answer. Yeah. great answer. So, I don't know. Once I get further along, would you guys like to, to like take a pass at Can it? Can we talk look? about this off the air? Because oh, I think that, yeah. that we need to... I mean, oh, I, yeah, I, I, has right. anyone optioned this material? Chris Weitz is on board as a producer. He was a guest on the show. So there is a, a pre-existing producer. All right, well, yeah, the pre-existing producer. I mean, Chris is a collaborator. He'll, maybe he'll yeah, we can yeah, carve it he's out. Not gonna big I don't, dog. I don't yeah. know, yeah. Cool. but yeah. I'd like to talk to you further about this opportunity. I love. Uh, thank you so much. We love the world you're playing in. It's a fun world. There's a lot of opportunity in that world. All right, Benji Dan, thank you so much for being here, guys. This was a dream come true. Yes, thank, you. thank you. And I do want to come back for Edward's Wick when it's time. Sure. Uh, what, what's <laughs> yeah. this Wick movie? Name this me uh, Glory. Glory. Uh, I'm trying to think like, yeah. Love we and co- other we drugs. We covered one. Oh, Pod and other cast. Yeah. Well, we did, uh, we did uh, Pod never Reacher go never, go, never Go Cast. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. People forget he made the second Jack Reacher movie. Um, yeah. I think he did that movie. Legends of the podcast. Blood Diamond. Isn't that it? Oh, yeah. Blood oh, Diamond. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's, yeah. some, there's some pretty. About yeah. Last Night. Did he do About <laughs> Last Night? He did. That's I his debut. Yeah. Yeah. That's his debut. He made, uh, you know, Courage Under Fire. He made, uh, what's it called? Uh, Bobby Fisher. Pawn Sacrifice. Pawn Sacrifice. Mm. Pawn sacrifice. Like, I, I believe Toby McGuire's. I did too. Toby McGuire's last role. Uh, on, uh, on camera. On camera. His last credit film role is uh, the narrator of The Boss Baby. That's right. Nice. <laughs> so it sounds to me like this Wick Pod, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a fruitful. It's, it's like night eggs. It's it's cooking. It's it's night eggs. We'll talk <laughs> off air about right. this opportunity. Yes. We love the world. Yes, we it's love a, the possibilities of this so world. So much potential. Um, uh, but, but yes, Benji Dan, thank you for being here. Thank you for writing Detective Pokemon. Detective Pokemon. I'm sorry, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Thank you. Thank you. That was another thing, because like when you see the poster, you're like, oh, the Pokemon might just be there as branding. When the movie starts and the opening titles come Hell up yeah. and it just says Pokemon Detective. That's Pikachu, right. Mm-hmm. You're like, no That's jazz the here. Title, yeah. baby. Yeah. yeah. We we went we went right at it. Yeah. You gotta you gotta take a bite. Um right. uh what, what else is that? I gotta yeah. pee. Let's see. Okay, Dan's a pee. Up. Watch season two of the tick. Yeah, watch season two of the tick. Watch it. Don't be a dick about it. Just do it. What what if we did a tech Pokemon crossover? Sure. What if season three there's a case right. of Ryan what if, City? Yeah, tick got a Heracross yeah. or whatever. Yeah, but you know, but you Pokemon. say this, but like Ben is listening somewhere and being like, "What are you talking? No, that's, no, that's not or, my, that's or not my like, season three. Or he's yeah. like, "Yes, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes." How did you guess? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just I just think Tick should interrogate a Meowth. Mm. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, I, Meowth is good, but you couldn't really touch Meowth. That's Meowth Team Rocket tough. territory. Yeah. Right, yeah, right, right. That was, but that, Meowth is one of the weirder Pokemon to to start out with. I was sad Meowth wasn't in the movie, sure. but there were. It just seemed like. Did you have Meowth in certain drafts? No, I think in mm. one draft he's mentioned like as a background, sure, okay. sure, sure. but not. But I feel like Team Rocket is its own. It, it's, yeah. it kind yeah. of felt like we can't even. Yeah, yeah. Like open that thing right now. Right. Yeah. 
So that's why I, I you know, but I, I hope that, you know, in the future, everyone will get to see their favorites. Sure. I mean, um, there was Gengar in there. That's another of my favorites. You know, you, you, had some, you had some great ones. You oh, just didn't touch yeah, the Polywag family. We, all, we always wanted Gengar from the beginning. Yeah. Gengar is yeah. huge. That's one that we really wanted. Uh, and looked so Gengar looked cool. great. And his weird, like, yeah. you know, tread yeah, cloning his, move. His, yeah. It kind of reminded me of uh, Great Tiger in Punch-Out. Yep. You know, when he does the, like, the spinning... Whatever, 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 guys. I know we just talked about why certain video game movies don't work and it falls squarely in this territory, but Punch-Out would be a cool movie. Punch-Out would be a cool movie. The ones that are just cool-looking characters fighting right. are the difficult ones. I ben actually think it'd be Glass-Eyed Joe. I could be Glass-Eyed Glass Joe. Jawed. Right. glass Jaw Joe. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I could be Cotton-Eyed Joe. Um, I just remember, the, uh, David SCP, the one question I wanted really to ask you guys. Yeah, you'd be Little Mac. You would be great as oh! Little Mac. Are you kidding? That's your star vehicle. Uh, a Kid Icarus. I've been playing Smash, and I'm like, man, like, Ness dresses a lot like me. Yeah, <laughs> Ness has your vibe. Wait, who's your Smasher? Who's your fave? I've been playing as Ness most of the time. You're a Ness? Oh, God, you're horrible. No, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> Ness uh, is so complicated. This yeah, I feel like I'm playing like Ness the most of the time. I play, I play as Pikachu a fair amount. Pikachu is one of my faves. Although my girlfriend always wants to play as Pikachu. Right. Pikachu. Um, uh, Ness, though, every time I pick him, she's like, you just like him because he like wears baseball caps and striped right. shirts. <laughs> right. Right. Fucking narcissist. Right. Class- He's little. Classically, I like Jigglypuff because I find that makes people go the most insane. Jigglypuff oh, yeah. is an yeah. infuriating yeah. character. He's an infuriating character to play. and. That's who I thought Kirby was. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're very similar. Jigglypuff is in the movie. Jigglypuff's Hell yeah. Movie. Yeah. At a bar. Hells at a coffee. Yeah. I like that too. I like that's like, oh, it's a late night Elite coffee Four shop. With yeah. a fucking super powered Wigglytuff. That was a great moment. Okay. I always liked <laughs> okay. taking on the sort of less powered Pokemon. Retired, and, yeah. You know, Retired yeah, buffing them up. This was the final question I wanted to ask you while David's bladder explodes. Okay. You guys are big fans in general. You're fans of things. You yes. love yes, stuff. Yes, we yeah. like stuff. Not stepping on toes of any things that you're taking meetings on, that okay. you've actually had a okay. conversation about. Yeah, yeah. Will it into the universe something that you've made no progress on? Is there like a dream thing? I, I will say, especially if it's a thing where you're like, no one's ever going to make a movie of that, where you guys have talked about, like, wouldn't it be cool to adapt this thing that we love that there probably isn't a market for? Mm. That's a great question. Yeah, what's your, like, blank check project? Do you have, because look, people predicting big box office weekend, you might be getting those calls. You might be the blank check guys by the time this episode comes out where people are saying, what do you got? What's what do you your got? Pitch? Bring it to us. Um, the one that always comes to mind is I'd like to adapt Transmetropolitan. Oh, yeah. That's a cool try. That's 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 the one that... It's the perfect thing where it's like, you need a big budget. It's yeah. not going to be a family movie. It's, right. it's, it's weird. It's funny. It's uh, weird. It's specific. There's a cat, a two-headed cat that smokes cigarettes. Yep. Everything. Uh, you know, there it that that's one where I, I read it and get inspired. I've read it, you know, many times over the years. And that that for me would be a dream project. I don't know who controls the rights. I don't know if there's already a script that exists. I don't know if it would be better as a TV show. But that is one where I look at it. You'd I'm like, like to have a crack. Mm, I'd love a crack at that one. Do you have an answer, Banjo? Uh I've always wanted to do a Seven Samurai Magnificent Seven with all of the serial characters. That's you a mean great like answer. Captain Crunch? Yep. Like, That's oh, a great oh, answer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The toucan from the Fruit Loops? All of them. <laughs> Fair well, enough. So it's like the Magnificent 84. Tony, yeah. obviously. Well, you know, yeah. You know, they got to put the team together. Right. Right. Some people say guess, no. Yeah. Would yeah. there be a villain? Who's like the most villainous serial character? 
Count Chocula, maybe? Yeah. Uh, the cop from Cookie Crisp? Mm. Oh, oh, Rabbit. Oh, he yeah. is a trickster. Yeah, he's a trickster. Yeah, but he's kind of good. He's like your rogue if you're right. doing D&D. Like it might tricks. be the kids who are trying to steal the Lucky Charms. Maybe they're the villains. Yeah, right, right. I'm trying yeah. to think of any of the cartoons. I, I feel a, like Captain Crunch worse. could have like gone crazy at sea, like sure. Master mm. and Commander. There is a Captain mm. Crunch villain, too. Is there? There is. There's like a red and like black pirate. <laughs> sure. To Captain Crunch is like blue and Every white. Every captain needs a, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, Hollywood, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now's your chance. Hot properties. Uh, Night Eggs also available as part of a package deal. Not anymore. It's not available. Oh, okay. It's off the table. <laughs> it's, it's off, off the, the table. table. It's off the table. Uh, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Thanks to Andrew Fergudo for our social media. Liam Montgomery for our theme song. Joe Bowen, Pat Rounds for our artwork. Go to uh, blankies.riot.com for some real nerdy shit. Go to Tee Public for some real nerdy shirts. Uh, go to uh, Patreon, our uh, blank check Patreon bonus features, yep. Yep. Uh, where we're going through all the Marvel movies. Oh, yeah. And as always, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie looks really weird. <laughs> Fucking weird, man. <laughs> <laughs>